Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the American Reconstruction Project. I'm your host, Colin Derrick, and hopefully you got the flyers tonight. And uh, good evening, Jerry. Can you hear me? You're my sound check again. I can hear you. Yes, I can. Well, I am very, very happy to say that uh, people came through with some funds so that I was able to get my old phone turned back on again just about 10 minutes ago. Talk about the last minute. How's your weather where you're at, Jerry? Oh, just a little cool, West Michigan, and uh, no snow today. Good day today. Hmm. What's your temperatures like? Uh, I think we're running at about uh, 30, around 32, a little mm. less. So it's warmed up a little bit for you guys, too. Yes, it did. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I wanted to go over several things tonight, uh, so we're going to kind of hit the ground running. First, I want to state that we're not attorneys. We don't want to be bar card carrying um, at law instead of in-law and turning law on its head in order to bring the people to their knees. No, we are not at turn knees. Um, And that's, as far as I'm concerned, about the most accurate definition I can give of them. Um, I want to update and talk about my own personal situation a little bit um, first and and share. But uh, before I do that, I want to thank everybody who has sent me money. Jeff um, sent me 50 bucks, so that, um, that came in real handy. I needed to uh, get some gas, propane gas, and um, that also helped to turn the phone on. And then we have Mr. Moore, who sent me over $100 into my bank account, deposited directly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I uh, had to buy vitamins the other day. Uh, I happened to be at a place where I could get them fairly cheaply and uh, got some other supplies that were much needed. And, um, and a portion of that also went to the phone. We'll be going to the rest of it, be going to the Internet. And um, I haven't used – hold on one second. Let me get this here. Um, oh, and then, of course, Michael Thomas, thank you so much, sent me through um, PayPal, which was uh, Truthmonger2. I made a mistake before. It's not three, but two. So, Michael Thomas, thank you very much. I appreciate your donation as well, and I'll be putting that to good use uh, fairly shortly. I have to say that I finally broke down. It's the first time in my life I've ever done it, uh, applied for food stamps. It's, for me, it was not as humbling as I thought it would be, uh, considering the lines of people. But it was also fascinating to hear some of the what we call scuttlebutt or the, the talk amongst the people in line. It was very fascinating to me that the most outspoken people uh, were, believe it or not, uh, uh, Democrat supporters and uh, Republican poo-pooers and absolutely had no idea what's really going on. The only statement that I made was when they were going through their little routine about uh, Obama's doing everything that he can and that the Republican uh, Congress is not letting them do it, you know, that whole nine yards of pointing the finger at other people and yet there's three of them pointing back. 
and I I tried, but it just didn't, you know, just completely went over the head because that's they're not interested in the actual reality. I started realizing that that we that people live in in a complete fantasy world. It's just absolutely bizarre, and they ignore anything else, whether it's another reality or another, um, you know, I guess that is their real world to them. It's real. But that's why we do this American Reconstruction Project, because we've been fed and programmed to believe and think of certain ways. And that's part of what I'm going to be the theme tonight, and as it always has been, is the continuing, as I said in the um, in the ditty tonight, that the, removing the clouds, the clouds that we've been, you know, trying to peer through. And some people are perfectly happy not even trying to peer through those clouds. But I did make the comment. I said, "Well, let me quote Senator Kennedy when when uh, somebody was offered the job of the head of the Democratic Party, a uh, very high position, and the man said, "Don't you know that I'm a Republican?" And Senator Kennedy turned and said, "Son, we own both parties." Okay. Actually, what he was really saying is, "We own all all parties. We control all parties. It's all a big, huge facade, so that the people will continue having the conversations that they were having in line, which is." poo-pooing somebody else. It doesn't matter. You could switch the names, and as most people who who follow politics will say that the Democrats become more like the Republicans, the Republicans are more like the Democrats. But either way, they're both ripping us off, uh, and it's designed to do that because it's up to the people to know what's going on and, and stop trusting their um, public servants to do it for them. And that theme is going to, you're going to see how that's why we're not why people are not winning cases, why they're getting stomped. Um, that's also the continuing theme here as well. Is it's our own reluctance to read the owner's manual and the operator's manual and how to assemble it, which the procedure's manual, how to assemble, how to put it together, and how to make it work. And I've been yelled at a few times this week, um, um, in, you know, to, to get my head basically screwed back on again. And, that's why I am just so thankful to have somebody I can call to get my head straight again so that I can turn around and then yell at you guys, so to speak, or share with you as to how I am, um, you know, how I'm, I, I'm put myself or I am just as bad as anybody else and how to overcome it. Now, I remember last week we talked about trying to make it fun. So I wanted to share a little bit about that. Um, this week um, I went to court on Tuesday which was a status hearing on these um, basically completely false fake criminal charges uh, of dumping and abandoning a vessel. Of course, they put them together. And when you look at it on its face, it's ridiculous because when you look at the definition of what even a vessel is, even though I have no knowledge of a vessel or abandoning it, uh, a vessel or anything remotely related to a vessel, I, I don't think I've ever had a vessel, although they think that the definition is anything that floats. Well, even if anything that floats, if you look at it, it actually states anything that is used for the transportation across water. When you look up the word the definition of the word transportation, you find it has to do with transporting of people or product for some kind of commercial or for profit, which requires you to have a license. So it's the misapplication of the law that constantly is catching us, and that's what they're doing. And they People in office are no smarter than us, and they got the same uh, dumbing down education that we got. They got the same programming and the same public television, the same cable television and programming that, that that's out there. So everyone's being programmed 
with the same kind of stuff. Um, and and that's what we're here to do is to reprogram. And I have um, I've learned that it's much easier to fill or replace a good ha- a bad habit with a good habit. So instead of trying to fight the bad habit, it is better to simply replace it with a new good habit. So I'm working on that, you know, looking at the man in the mirror kind of thing and doing the doing the same thing. So this time, uh, having you know by by grace uh, a a little bit longer period of time, and having now finally at the end of almost a month uh, before it went to district court, I finally got off my butt and started reading. And as, as I told you, I read the whole uh, criminal uh, code for Maryland and studied it, and that's why I felt more confident. Well, even after that, I had written and put together uh, with much help, um, you know, the removal of the public defender, uh, public defender's office, including the one that was allegedly uh, appointed to me, and also then refiled the motion to um, strike the complaint because it's insufficient. And, of course, reviewing that before I went into court. And this time I was even much more confident. I had much more comfortable, even though it was a different courthouse. And watching what's going on and having a friend with me, thank you, Tony, for coming. I appreciate that very much. Took me up there, drove me up there, drove me back, which is uh, really something. Although, a little funny side note, lost the car, and you talk about cold. Man, was it cold um, that day. Um, So... (laughs) Make sure you, if it's a cold day, make sure you put some breadcrumbs out or something so you can find your car quickly. Um, but I felt very comfortable. And as I, there was only one or two cases before me, but I just didn't feel the same stress anymore. And that is, that is huge. It's absolutely huge um, to being able to be efficient and effective. And it's not, and obviously not to go too far to get cocky either, because that's that's I've seen a few people that trip themselves up by getting cocky. But I'm not not near that point. But I'm not, I wasn't scared either. When they called up and he and the the well, here's what's interesting: is first the attorney uh, who's retiring. This is a fascinating thing. He's retiring. I'm like, well, why are you getting the case? Well, we're just going to do that. You know, do a uh, a delay, get a new. I said, well, I don't want that. I don't want affirmative defenses. I know nothing about it either one of these things, and I want a speedy trial. You know, that's clearly there. And I did finally find it out. It took a long time to find it. Everyone had the definition, but nobody had the time period. And it turns out in Maryland it's 180 days, which is uh, really interesting. I read some articles that said it's almost impossible to to win a speedy trial claim. But um, they also said it shouldn't stop you from presenting it because it makes them look bad. So a lot of it is, is how they're looking. But what I'm very thankful for and kind of proud of, I guess you could say, is that I got everything. I I can't think of anything I missed. Um, I got everything out that I wanted to get out. Uh, the judge, in fact, did recognize the fact that my motion to dismiss the case um, uh, with prejudice actually was to you know to uh, strike the whole thing because it's absolutely ridiculous. But um, um, uh, I got that on on the report, but as well as the fact that that um, the, what the judge, the way I know that she recognized it, was because she said they have to have an opportunity to respond. So I accepted that. The judge seemed to be pretty cool, 
Um, but as she pointed out, it seemed that uh, she may not be the actual judge for the um, the uh, jury trial. And uh, so, of course, they, they created a new status hearing in April, or is it March? 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 I think it's March. Yeah, they were going to do it in February, then did March. Okay. And um, and anyway, because I had already filed the documents, albeit you know pretty close, like you know a couple of days, I filed it almost a week and a half, but then I refiled it once I remove the uh the prosecuting attorney because uh I've been told that that's one of their favorite tricks is that what they'll do is they'll move to strike all of the motions that were filed while you had an attorney representing you and then you go pro se. So although I have never said I'm going pro se, I'm just here as a man. So I I never try to put myself in a box. Uh and I just don't accept it that way. But uh I've got my stuff filed. Um and that meant that I could rely upon it. She recognized it. I just got the stamp copies uh, today. And so that's very important. She's allowing them to respond to it, which is great. I also let her know that they were coming with unclean hands and certainly not on good faith because, and I quoted the statute, I think it's 2 363, um, excuse me, 262 um, D, I think it is, which requires the district attorney. Uh, or the prosecuting attorney, to give discovery without being requested. It says it clearly on the front. And uh, so I put that down, and I let them know that I had, not only was I, that they were not coming in with unclean hands, that they were coming with unclean hands, they were not coming in good faith because they had not supplied the discovery as required by law, even without me requesting it. I also uh, got it on the record again that it was, in fact, requested, and that now it's been done in writing as well. And... Um, uh, what else did I get on there? Um, that the oh the signature just raising the issue, and of course my little ditty, which is the jurisdiction of the court, because the Constitution clearly says um, that in any in all cases where the state is a party, that the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction. Now I've gone into some arguments about that, but you know my point of view is that's what it says. <laughs> okay, that's what it says. That's what it says. Um, and it makes sense to me because if I'm a Hatfield, you're a McCoy, and you're telling me that I violated one of McCoy's laws, I don't think I'm coming into McCoy's court. You know what I mean? It's like, duh. Um, you know, in other words, because the state has made themselves essentially an enemy of one of the people, then the state must stand on its own two feet. It doesn't have, it can't. You know, as I say, you know, at some point, uh, just for fun, I'm going to offer the court, um, and I'm not sure how I'm going to offer it, but I'm going to somehow figure out how to do it, maybe offer the court to say, hey, come to my court, and I'm going to appoint my judge, and I'm going to appoint my group of people, and, and, and we're going to do it in, you know, on my grounds. And when the court says, you know, oh, hell no, I'm going to go, well, if it's not good enough for you, then watch is supposed to be good enough for me kind of thing. But, um, you know, I know that um, – you don't want to raise too many issues and get too complicated because you want to just, you know, get rid of this. And then when it comes to the federal case, then I can, you know, have a little bit of fun with it. But I do want to raise this issue now on the record so that I can come back later and um, have a reason uh, to get a declaratory judgment on the matter. Because I think it's, I think this is extremely important. Um, and the reason for that is obvious that you know this if if I can establish that on the record that hey, that's what it says and that's what it means, uh, then that means these courts can't have jurisdiction. It has to, at the very least, be 
one of the courts of the Supreme Court, the lower federal, you know, one of the federal courts. Um, but it has to be an un, uh, an unbiased court, not a court of one of the parties. You see, that just makes perfect sense. How can you possibly be uh, subpoenaed by uh, your attacker how, or, or even your defendant? It'd be like me accusing you of doing something and then, and then you know, uh, requiring you to subpoena me into your court. I mean, any way you want to look at it, it's impossible for a party to be the court in which the hearing is going to be held. It just doesn't make any sense. So, and and from my point of view, that that would really help an awful lot because that means that the shenanigans that's going on now would not be able to go on. Obviously, I'm looking for that long-term, large solution. That means that if it's a traffic ticket and it says the state of whatever and you, well, then guess what? They don't have jurisdiction. They cannot have jurisdiction. It's kind of like the way I think about it is this. is in the same way that an attorney or lawyer or whoever cannot be a representative and a witness at the same time. Colin? Yes? This is Arlene Miller in Page, Arizona. Hi, Arlene. How are you tonight? I'm okay. Can I share something with you and your listeners? Please do. Okay. In 1998, I got a a copy, a certified copy of a certified copy of the 13th Amendment in the state of Colorado. Uh Uh-huh. And it didn't all come together until this Christmas. And my daughter sent, uh, she, first she emailed me the book. And it's Economics Theory by Dr. John Henry Wadley III. He's a Ph.D. And I found it very strange that I couldn't read page 26. And if I may take your time... Page 26, my daughter gave me the book for Christmas. And the original 13th Amendment, there was another important issue involved in the War of 1812. The original 13th Amendment, which expressly prohibits attorneys or anyone with a title of nobility to hold any public office in America. All the states then ratified this 13th Amendment with the exception of Virginia. You'll note that the War of 1812 was waged mostly in Washington, D.C. That was by design since the invading forces had several very specific goals. The British burned all the repository buildings and attempted to destroy all records of the new United States in Washington, D.C. Because the British was aware of a fundamental shift in not only the public attitude, but also the political will of America's elected officials, part of their strategy was to hide the true nature of their involvement in the foundation of America to eradicate the evidence of their involvement and those behind the changes that allowed for the accumulation of debt to England, they sought to destroy the evidence. Another reason why the War of 1812 was waged was to prevent the passage and enforcement of the new 13th Amendment. Most book 
repositories through the states were burned to the ground and all records destroyed. Well, I have a copy from the archives in Denver, Colorado, that has the original 13th Amendment and how they have fooled the people in America. And if we would just call or write and get that document, it would bring all of this into perspective and help all of us understand what is really happening to us in our court systems. Does well, that make sense? Well, sure. I just don't think that, you know, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't need the 13th Amendment to uh, – do you have a copy of it in front of you? Can you read it real quick? You I bet mean, I do. All right. Okay, just a minute. And this is how they shifted things. Just let me get it flipped to that page. Okay, the original 13th Amendment. If any citizen of the United States shall accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility or honor, or shall, without the uh, consent of Congress, accept and retain any present, pension, office, or emolument of any kind whatsoever, from any emperor, king, prince, or foreign power, such persons shall cease to be a citizen of the United States and shall be incapable of holding any office of trust or profit under them or either of them. And at that time, Article 14 read, neither slavery, slavery, nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duty convicted, duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Congress shall have the power to enforce their article by an appropriate legislation. Now, they have moved, if you will look, and if you'll check all this out, they have moved Title Article 14 up to 13. And it all makes sense when you can visually look at it. Are you still there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but just, I want to make, I, wanna, I, I, I see where you're going. And that's a good thing, but here's the thing. Um, there, there's so many ways, um, as I said in the, in, the, in the introduction tonight, that there's now, you know, this, this ground is so fertile, it's not even funny. There's so many other avenues and so many venues that we can go after them that we don't even need that. Mm-hmm. So to, to rely upon the fight, and this is another thing that they want, they want us to fight over something because, you know, was it there? Is it there? Was it not? Was it, you know, how do we find it? Where was it? Was it all of this, okay? Mm-hmm. It ends up becoming a Superman hero type of thing again. Yeah. Just getting the third, even if you stuck the 13th Amendment back in there and you redid everything and all the numbers, the 14th was, the 14th, uh, the, the 14th was what the 13th is now. Mm-hmm. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude. The 14th, no states shall make and so on all the way down the line. It wouldn't make any difference. Criminals are going to do what criminals do. Oh, they do. But right. so, but I just yeah, thought... having it having it in place, I don't think it's going to make that much difference. It's going to make a difference, though. 
is, is that when the people become knowledgeable in the law yes. and start holding them accountable. And you have to speak up. And, and like you're doing, and I'm very proud of you for that. But I just thought this might bring a new light on the subject. If people now, would people just that, look. This is, just to be honest with you, this goes around. Uh, it, and like everything else, I call it. I still call this um, a, a planned obsolescence. It's something that they put out there to distract people. It sounds really good on the surface, and oh boy, if only we could do that, mm-hmm. and we would we would get our freedom back. And and quite frankly, you know, I've, uh, if you go, you will go to uh, Article One, Section Ten, I believe it is. No, yeah, you betcha. It says right there in Article. Um, in fact, we'll go to uh, Section 9, Article 1, Section 9, which clearly states, no money shall be drawn from the Treasury. Then the next paragraph, no title of nobility shall be granted by the United States. And no person holding any office, property, or trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any presence of monuments, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, princess, or foreign state. So we, it's already there. And then, again, for a second time, you go to Section 10, no state shall enter any treaty, alliance, confederation, grant letters, or marquee, reprisal, coin, money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver, coin, a tender payment of, of debt, pass any bill of exchange or ex post facto law or law impairing the obligation of contracts or grant any title of, of nobility. nobility. Yep. So when it says grant, if it's not granted, then that they means don't you have, have it. it. That's correct. Now, you can have a – you personally may have – I mean, I've got probably five or ten or fifty or a hundred titles of nobility. It depends upon who's talking to me as to how noble they think I am. Mm-hmm. I can carry any titles I want. Mm-hmm. But the moment that I take an office, what happens to any title of nobility, any standing, any stature, any uh, – what do you call that? Uh, everyone talks about your your standing. Was it standing you're talking about? Your, your just, no, it's not standing they're talking about. Um, your – Oh, I can't think of it now. What's that word? It's a lot like standing. Um, your not capacity. It's another thing like nobility. Your position. It's a word like position. God, what is it? Ah. Yeah, but when you take that official position, you also take an oath of office. That's right. And, and, and these, the and these guys aren't a, paying attention right. to their oath of office. That's right. And so there, it goes back to the same old thing. It doesn't matter what's written. It matters what people are willing to enforce. Exactly. We have plenty of sufficient stuff. Mm-hmm. We need to study what we have available to us and what's working and how it works. And that's really what this show is about. And then speak out. It's going to take a multitude collectively of well, the people to speak out to make a difference. I'll be honest with you, hon. I've given up pretty much on the rest of the American people. That's why I call mm, it American. But what we are doing here, what we are learning, what I'm trying to share, is how one man, one woman, can make a difference, can still win and at least make your life a little bit better mm-hmm. and have one more person out there, individual, citizen, whatever you want to call yourself, an American, a human being, um, once you know how to enforce, at least that will be one more person Just who's one. not being imposed upon. That's right. Okay, And one more person not being imposed upon. And here's another thing. Think about this for one second. It's going to be hard for it. <clears throat> not everybody wants to be free. And everybody has the right to be free or not free as they choose. Now, what we're fighting for is because we are people that 
it is our nature to be free. We want to be free to enjoy our lives, to do as we please, to do our inventions, to do our building, to live our lives in peace and happiness. That's what this whole thing was about. But for some people, and it seems like just not some, it seems that a majority of people, which if you go back in time, you find this is the way it's always been. A majority of people are perfectly happy being in 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 servitude position. They're taking their emolument, or not emolument, their entitlement from... Well, now, that's, see, that's the part why I continue. Mm-hmm. The reason I continue doing it for everyone else is because I believe that these are unalienable rights. Mm-hmm. That these are rights that cannot be taken away by anyone. Exactly. That's and I am so proud of you for making the effort. Thank you. You too. So, so from my point of view, the people have the right to be dumb, stupid, and ignorant, but nobody has the right to take advantage of it. That's and right. That's really what the battle is here. And then you have the government taking from one and giving to another. Get off your duff and get out there and start earning your keep. All of you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but thank you for listening to me, Colin. No, I appreciate you very much. I really do. You, you you inspire me just because you're you're carrying on. It helps me to carry on, you know, somebody to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, people, America, go check this stuff out. Don't take my word for it. Go look at it. And when you can visually look at it, it begins to make sense. Please just go look. Well, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Okay. Carry on. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, and, and some of this stuff uh, hopefully will be helpful to your situation. I haven't addressed it a great deal, um, but I think the general pattern here, you'll begin to see how it applies to every single one of these cases. Remember, that's the best way to help the most number of people is to find those things that are in common that everybody can use so that people can study less at least if they're partially motivated, they'd be able to study less. If I can guide them or they can guide themselves to, to know and pinpoint what it is that they need to do, what it is they need to study, exactly. and how to accomplish that that much quicker. That's right. I remember in college I had this one professor, and it was a, it was a class that this professor put on, which was teaching you how to take tests, how to study. I thought, how ridiculous. <laughs> and it was one of the best classes I ever took. And I should probably take a refresher course because I've obviously forgotten. <laughs> but there was a lot of good things in that class. You had, that, I never even knew that there was a technique to studying. I didn't know there was a technique to reading a book. I did not know that there was a technique to um, to taking tests. And there is, including don't eat just before a test because your blood goes to your stomach. And um, and I should have known that when I was a life, lifeguard. You know, that's why you can't go swimming for an hour. That's right. You gotta let if it wear your off. Digesting food. That's right. If you're digesting food, how can it be in your brain what you're supposedly need to do? Just <laughs> <laughs> to take a test. And uh actually I, I kind of um in the latter days of high school I was working three jobs overtime, so I was I learned to go into a meditative sleeping state um and take tests and I did much better. So there's something your subconscious is awake even when you're not. Um but what I what kind of what I wanted to cover is 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 that what it is we need to study. Now I've had some discussions with some with some people that I've been sort of helping on and off um, for the last several months. Uh, one person, another person only recently, 
I'm finding a pattern there. And um, the pattern, and of course I passed this by without even saying it. I came to my own conclusion. But when I talked to my mentor, he went off on it and said, yeah, I know that person, and he still, not, he still doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the principle, and, and you know, you want to make up laws and you want to create new laws, which even though they may be correct and they are within the law the way they are, but they're not the ones that are written right now. And that's what we're dealing with. We, that, that we want to deal with that which is going to work. We're not talking about whether Colin's right or Colin's wrong or this person's right or that person's right or, or there's different strategies or whatever. What matters to me is what is what works. What works. Now, I'm not going to sit there and, and bend the law to make it work in that sense. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about what is the most effective and efficient way of getting things done and working with what is. And what is is that we know that you're not going to win in the lower courts, so don't have your expectations to win, but use it, the disadvantage, into the advantage, which is to make your record, which is what I felt very very comfortable now. I'm not nearly as, as shivery, shaky, and scared as I was before because I've gotten everything on the record two or three times now. I'm now beginning to see the process. This is what I mean when I say the clouds are clearing up. I can see the bigger picture that this is just a process. That's all it is. It really is no difference than baking a cake. And you need to preheat the oven. And preheating the oven in this case is doing your homework, doing the reading, and doing your writing before it's needed, before the time is up. Like right now I have, they have 30 days in which to respond. Um, so that time period is coming up. They have uh, another 10 days in which to produce um, the discovery, which because the request has been now put into writing. And, um, and because I'm the defendant here, I don't want to compel discovery. What I want to do is say, since they have not provided discovery, there must not be any, and therefore dismiss the case again for the second, third, or fourth time. I also got on the record, uh, when the judge says, well, this and that, the other thing, and, you know, she was talking about, you know, you can have that, this attorney, and then the next attorney, you might want to evaluate him and so on and so forth, and, and then refile, you know, and then go through it. And I said, oh, no, because she said, oh, they've only just gotten this. I said, oh, no, they had this several months ago. When it was in the district court, it still has not been adjudicated. So I also got on the record that these issues were before the court, but they just simply went from district court to circuit court without addressing the issues that I raised, which shows what? Lack of due process. Again, they can't move to the next level or next stage without addressing that which has already been filed. Requested motion was, is on the record. Okay? So, um, but, you know, I go along with, with – I, I play along. I go along with some of it just because I want to continue – uh, studying and learning and getting myself sharper so when the time comes. So in the meantime, the, the, my going for the throat is a little bit more comfortable in saying, hey, you know, get rid of this thing right off the bat. So I feel much better in, in the fact that I was able to do that. I was able to step up. And I even raised the question because they were the the um, public pretender guy, he sits and goes, oh, we have a policy. We don't do – and I said – I told her, I said, I said, put it on the record. I said, the Constitution is quite clear. It says that we have that it, it, it guarantees the right, I forget the exact wording, but I said, it, it guarantees our right to counsel. 
And counsel does not mean an attorney representing me. I don't need somebody representing me. I don't need anyone speaking for me. I can speak for myself, and I can do and participate. The only reason I need counsel is to find, is to ensure that all of the details and the and the and the different things that are necessary are done properly in accordance with the proper procedures of this particular court. That's what I need counsel for. That's what a counsel is for. I said nowhere does it say anything about an attorney run representing representing you. And the attorney says he goes, well, it's not our policy. Da 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 da. And I didn't. And I just made. And I said, well, I'm making the objection. Uh, and the judge and the judge got it. She kind of got it. Um, but again, you got to be smart because um, she said, well, you meet this new one, and then you know maybe you can use them, and then you know up until the day of the trial, then you can get rid of them. And I have to be careful there because I was informed that sometimes that's a trick as well, because then what they'll do is everything that the attorney filed, they have to do a motion to strike. And uh, and then you're left out, you know, where where all your motions are are not on there. Although again, I still feel comfortable because before anything can happen, they have to address my motion. And right now, that's on their their bones to respond. And uh, they were not happy, so that makes me happy because when when the prosecutor's not happy and they're grimacing at you and they're PO'd and angry, they thought they were going to just walk all over and be, you know, I was going to do a consent judgment and all. No, it's not happening. And they have to write something and answer it and show it ain't going to happen. Now, interestingly enough, and I think probably even as or more productive, was that we went upstairs to the library and we went through the books and found things. And I found two or three pages of stuff, even if it was a vessel, which it's not, and even if it was abandoned, which it wasn't, then there are certain things that they have to go through. There's all sorts of processes that they have to go through which, so far as I know, they have not gone through, and I don't think they have evidence that they have, which means they haven't, they haven't done the proper process. So, therefore, they, again, I can shoot them down just on that alone. Now, the point is, hold on one second. I need to get this asthma thing. So the point is this. Again, I'm going to repeat it over and over and over and over again to myself as well because I need to smack myself in the head. Uh, instead of distracting myself or, 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 or running away or, or hiding from it, getting depressed, doing other things, whatever it is, try to make it fun where you're just going in there treasure hunting. And I talked about this before, but it's a cycle. We go through this cycle of denying what we already know and we have to relearn it again. But if somehow we can go treasure hunting and try to find stuff, which is what it ends up being when you find the law, it's just like treasure. and uh, found uh, and, and read the statutes and the laws that they are authorized to do certain things, okay? They're not authorized to do anything that is not right. That's the foundation that everybody needs to understand here. In the same way that even if you had royalty or, or some kind of name, badge, whatever you want to call it, the moment that a person takes that office, they relinquish all of that. Okay, they relinquish all. It's gone. It's toast. Um, um, so you can't hold an office and hold a title. You just can't do it because that is your new title. Your your new title, whatever title you had before, you now have a new title which is called public servant. Okay, it's that simple, and that's why it means officer is one who holds an office. So you are the one who is representing 
and the presenting the office in the manner and that it was prescribed in and not in any other. And the only authority you have to act as long as you're in that office is by that, is as granted in that office. And there is no office that I know of that has been granted any title of nobility. You see, what, you see how simple this is? So that gets rid of all that. You don't need to worry about the fight as to whether the 13th was there, not there, is there, was it taken out. It doesn't really matter. What matters is, as I said, the three questions, you really, really, these things are super powerful. I know that they're, you know, I work on them by, by the, you know, hours, and, but most of the time it's an inspiration that ends up coming through. But when I look at them, I can't really improve on them. Are you a public servant? Uh, yes. Do you have any evidence that I am a public servant? No. Do you have any evidence that I am a servant of any kind? No. Okay? So first of all, you've established, and now I say, good, then I am still a master. And as you have just stated, you are a servant of the public. Conduct yourself accordingly. Are we clear? All of those words, every one of those words, every one of them put together in that way, it's inspired. It was given to me. Yes, I meditated on it. I made myself available to it. But, you know, could I come up with something? You know, sometimes I work it down, but it takes hours and days and weeks and months. And it's perfected, and I test it, and I come back. Now, the latest one, which I think is actually plants a better seed, is is it true that you are obligated and duty-bound to obey any lawful order? Yes. Is it also true that you are required to obey and, excuse me, that you are obligated and duty-bound, see the words are precise, obligated and duty-bound to disobey any unlawful order? Um, or, um, uh, or, yes. See, it's a no-brainer. They never thought about it. Then the last one, how are you to know if you are obeying a lawful order or engaged in a crime if you do not know the law as it is written? That is what gets them. It, it, it's, I don't know why. It, it's kind of like, I think because it puts their ass on the line. You know, how do you know whether you're engaged in a crime? Uh? They never thought that they were engaged in a crime. They just thought, well, we're not supposed to do this. We're not supposed to do that. Now I brought it home to them. How do you know if you're obeying a law of order or engaged in a crime, which you can be prosecuted for? And if you're holding an office and you're engaged in a crime, you've got three. You've got at least the crime itself, plus probably a couple other crimes, because you're doing it while holding an office. It means you're impersonating an officer. You're embezzling the office. If you're using the office that you hold in any way to the detriment of somebody else or to the benefit of somebody else, that is the definition of embezzling. You don't have to be an accountant embezzling money. Not true. Look it up. It's the misuse of a position to better or, or injure at the injury of somebody else. It's that simple. And that's got to be at the foundation of every single case and every single thing that any public servant does, any government agent whatsoever. Why? How do we know this? Because the foundation, we all these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these rights are rights, that among these are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to also abolish it and to institute new forms of government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. See, once you get this in your head, and by the way, if you haven't noticed, I corrected because I was saying that among these rights, and it doesn't say that because I went through and I reread it about 15 times the other day again so that when I speak it, I can speak it in a way that it has the most foundation, the, the most resonance, like singing a song. The key on the words, that to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness, that whenever any form of government, doesn't matter, whether it's a position, not a position, an association, it doesn't matter anything that's created, Hale versus Inkle. All corporations are creations of the state. Here's the part that's important. The general statement, and all creations of the state are presumed, presumed means what? It doesn't mean what you think it means. Well, we're presuming and we are obviously wrong. No, it means that we have the right to presume upon and rely upon. That's what it means. The presumption is self-evident and self-obvious because nobody is going to create something to injure themselves. Nobody creates a machine to kick themselves in the butt, except in cartoons, of course. You don't create a government to injure you. You don't create a government to enslave you. This is like a no-brainer. So when you say presume, it is presumed that all creations of the state are to benefit the people. The one individual person as one of the sovereign people. You cannot injure one of the people without injuring all of the people and violating the trust. This is just the foundation of all of it. This you can rely upon. This you can stand on. If that's the only thing you ever learn, you can stand on it. You inherently understand all laws from that point on. Because it talks about the principles, laying its foundation on such principles. What principle? That the only reason governments are instituted among men is to what? Secure their rights. And that the fact that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights means that in order to protect one man's right, you must protect all rights of all people. And there's case law, which I've looked up, which says that the state cannot sit there and injure a man, even if it appears that it is to the benefit of the, of the majority. Hale versus Hinkle again confirms that when it says he owes no duty to the public so long as he does not trespass upon their rights. It says he owes no duty to the state because he receives nothing therefrom but the protections of his life and property, life that he chooses to live. That's the only reason that the state exists. Everywhere in law, you can find it over and over and over and over again. So whether you put the 13th in there, it's good stuff. Study it and read it because you need to know how devious these people are and what they're trying to do, what they're trying to say. 
but ultimately it's not going to make a hill of beans at this point because we've got 10, 15, 20, 3,000 or 30,000 statutes, codes, and everything else in the enactments that we know that what they're doing is unlawful, which is going to blend right into the next thing, which is uh, we're going to go on to the next one, which is Jeff Smiles, buddy in Pennsylvania there who's trying to talk stop a tax sale. And what he did is he did a, um, a uh, what do you call it, a uh, bankruptcy. And because bankruptcy has what's called an automatic stay, it's basically an automatic stay of execution, that if there's a foreclosure on your house for a tax sale or for anything else, it automatically puts everything on stay. Essentially what it does, it takes everything, the, debtor, the debts and obligations, as well as all the, um, 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 uh, what do you call it, um, all of the estate, let's just put it that way, uh, all of what could become res um, uh, as collateral in some, some cases, which is what the court's going to try to do, is take your private property and turn it into collateral, um, to pay a debt, which is obviously not lawful either, But that's because that's unlawful conversion. But anyway, that's a whole other story, but we can travel down that one day. But what, they're actually, what, they're actually, what, what he's doing is he's looking for that automatic stay. But the stay is only going to last for a period of time. And I told him, I guess, for over a year now, you know, over and over and over and over again. And remember, he was passed off on to me after my mentor essentially kept trying over and over and over again and said, no, he's never going to get it. If you want to try, go right ahead. That's what he said. And I said, oh, yeah, I think he's got it. And he gives me glimpses of hope because he's learning how to write and he's writing better. He's doing stuff. But the foundational um, information he's refusing to do, and I can't quite figure out why, except for the fact that I've been trying to figure out the last six months how come I'm refusing to do it. You know, it's not that I'm refusing, but I just I'm not getting around to it. I'm getting distracted. I'm reading all this other stuff, and you know, well, what happened to Kennedy, and then you know the Kennedy shooting, and I got all into that for a couple hours, and I remember I said, hey, just stop, just stop doing what you're doing because it's not getting you where you need to go. Stop doing it. And then do what does work. And guess what? The more I do that which I'm being guided to do, the better off I feel, the better off my attitude is, the more energy I have, and everything begins turning around again. So we really are in in a lot more control of our lives than what we realize that we are. We're allowing, creating, and promoting what's going on in our lives because we're not doing the right thing to go after them to attack them. We're constantly defending ourselves. And I couldn't believe it, but somebody was yapping, we were yapping on Skype, and the guy was going, well, it's not very fair because, they're, you know, I don't have to prove anything. They're the ones that have to prove it. They're the plaintiffs. And that's what I just, without even thinking, I just wrote back. I said, no, not so, because why I had just read in the rule book right there, the Code of Maryland, that it's the presumption in a civil case. Now, listen carefully. The presumption in a civil case is that the plaintiff is correct in everything that they're saying and everything that they're doing until the defendant shows unequivocally that there is, in fact, something wrong either with their process, their evidence, their witnesses, or something else that no longer gives them that leverage that they started off with, which is the presumption that what they're saying is true, and if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I looked up the statute in Maryland and said, aha, isn't this interesting? You don't want to challenge the veracity of the copy. 
not what the statute says. What it does say is that you have to raise a reasonable question as to the authenticity of the original from which the coffee copy was made. You see, they're two different things. You know, I'm sure you don't cook duck the same as you do pheasant. I'm sure you don't cook pheasant the same way you do turkey. They're different. They're same species, different birds. This doesn't make any sense. You know, you're, 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 you know, yes, bread is a starch, and some people consider potatoes to be starch, and they don't tell an Irishman that, you know. But, you know, there's, they're completely different types of starches. And I don't know enough to really, I'm just sort of, you know, tear me apart. I'm not really super educated on that stuff, but I get, you know, I get a basic idea. You know, meat is meat, but there's a difference between beef and, and well, I, actually, well, you know, people say that chicken is meat. You know, it's meat. Some people call it fowl or poultry. But still, you get the idea. Different ways of doing things. Can't use one on the other. Doesn't make any sense. So to sit there and say, well, they have the burden of proof if you have an IRS case or a tax case. No, because it's not a criminal case. It's a civil case. Huge difference. And it's not hard to do what we need to do. It's not hard to prove that they've done something improper with the procedures improperly. Uh, uh, um, they don't have the, uh, that the original itself, that there's some question about the original itself from which the copy was made. Um, we'll go into a little bit of that, you know, later, later on we'll get a little more detail. There's all sorts of things that you can go after to prove that they're, like I said, I got it on the record. I've got it written now. Yes, the, the law says that they're required to give it to me, to give me the discovery, so I put it on the record that they have it. But now I have it in writing, a, a, a general discovery. Send me what you got. Why is that important? It's the setup, setup, setup. You're always doing the setup. If you don't do the setup... <laughs> Excuse me, or as I said tonight, you need to till the soil and you need to plant the seed. And some people run around and till the hell out of the soil, just throwing up clods of dirt everywhere. But they never plant a seed or seeds. So they don't get a crop and they wonder why they don't have a crop. Now they're stopping around and saying, oh, they messed up the field that I plowed. No, you plowed it. You didn't plow it correctly. You just threw a bunch of clods of dirt around. You didn't put any nutrients in there. You didn't put any uh, straw, by the way, if you're going to grow anything straw just if you don't have <clears throat> fertilizers and all that other nonsense stuff you don't need it just go out and get a bale of hay and, and mix it in at least you know 15 to 30 percent unbelievable and that's just a little secret that i learned from somebody else I have, i've seen i've seen the difference okay so um and i know for grass same thing you, you know if you throw grass seed down it's not growing but you throw straw on top of it guess what it grows so you know I can't, I'm sure that people can explain it all much better in detail, but I just tell you what works again. So the same thing, we need to lay the foundation for the next step, for the next step, for the next step, because that's how it's done. You know, I've tried to relate it to cooking and I, or baking, and I still think it's the best example. You have to have the ingredients. You can't complain, and if you haven't, read the that you know how to use the ingredients the the instruction manual on the box back of the box and do it it's also not sufficient enough just to read it 
You actually have to do it, and then you have to apply it. So this is going to go into Jeff Smiles, which I believe I actually gave him this, and for me it worked out, but now I'm going to change it again. And this was a uh, public um, information request. Let's see if I can get it here. Request for public dot records. Okay. Um, I'll just quickly re read this to you the way it was written, and then I'm, we're going to go through how we can correct it or make it even better. Uh, dear sir, okay, here it says subject. Exact procedures to assess ad valorem property tax upon unlicensed, common, non-commercial, uh, private property. Sounds good. Dear sir, this is formal public records request under the Federal Freedom of Information Act, 5 U.S.C. Section 552. Two, my request, please send a copy of the public record that, that evidence the exact legal and lawful promulgated official procedure uh, enacted by the legislature, and in parentheses, enacting clause, statute, session, laws, legislative, certification, and common law rules, in all caps, bold, you are relying upon that lawfully authorizes Lancaster County within the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to assess an ad valorem property tax upon non-commercial private property that is occupied only for the dwelling shelter of the owner. Three, please note that 5 U.S.C. subsection 552A4AIVII requires that you provide the first 100 copies to me at no charge. Four, however, I am requesting a waiver of all the fees under 5 U.S.C. 552A4A capital AIII. Five, the information I seek is in the public interest because I will contribute significantly, it will contribute significantly to the public understanding of the operations or activities of the Lancaster County for-profit municipal corporation that is not, nor represents any commercial interest thereof. I think that sentence could be redone better because I don't think it's clear, but it took me a long time to get reading it, nor is not, nor represents any commercial interest thereof. I think what they're trying to say is to, to ensure, okay, that they're not, okay? Six, I believe, uh, I believe I meet the criteria for a, face, a fee waiver recognized by U.S. Uh, Justice Department in its policy guidelines of April 1987 and by the federal court C project on military uh, procurement versus Department of Navy. So I, oh, this stuff is great. Okay, this is all good. Please respond to the, to the address above in writing as to when fulfillment of this request will be made. And then it was signed. Please expedite the request. I think that there's just a little bit that needs to be tweaked on this, and that is, or at least on the second, the second request. And that is, uh, I'm finding a, a, a pattern here. Uh, people are more inclined to not read. And what you need to do is read the laws and statutes that they have in order to be familiar with it, so that you can specifically say. Um, Please send a copy of the public records that that uh, under, for instance, this one I believe in, in Lane County, so this Pennsylvania, authorized in the by Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and authorizing uh, under subsection three dash one four five, which uh, um, which you're using to assess the property. In other words, what I'm saying is, if you can't get it one way, get it another way. And we break it down. It's the same way that, that I've managed 
um, in each case to use the definition that I did that, but I, I wouldn't be able to use the definition if I hadn't looked it up. Okay, this is so important that by simply saying, oh, send me what it is that you're relying upon. You know, great, you know, two months ago, three months ago, six months ago, I'd, have been, I'd probably put this together, all right, good ports of it. You know, hey, that's great. It's a general request. They should know. Well, do just like if I was to ask them, hey, what kind of brake shoes to, to somebody who works on brakes, I would say, what kind of brake shoes are you using, you know, metallic or non-metallic? You should know what the hell I'm talking about. But we're learning more and more that they don't. They just don't. All right? So you need to be more specific. And you need to know what the statutes and law and codes are so that you can say, what part of Section 191 are you relying upon? Okay? Now, what I'm suggesting he do, if they're going to be hard-headed, we might change our strategy a little bit. No big deal. We'll end up with the same thing. Remember, their, their whole concept is to simply to frustrate you. By the way, the response simply, the, their response was that they're not required to, give, uh, to do legal research. That was his excuse. So, um, are you, is somebody still out there? Can somebody do a sound check? Something showed that my... Maybe it's just the computer. No? Okay, it's re-hooked re up. All right. So what I'm getting at here is do it step by step. Lay the foundation. Okay, first one, please send me a copy of the statute and laws that you are using. You can even put citizen there if you wanted to. Um, but I think, you know, if they're being real stubborn, you want to do little bit by little bit by little bit. Please send me a copy of the uh article, statute, whatever it is that you're relying that you're not relying, just say that you are using to tax the property at this address. Do not call it real property. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and read you the affidavit that was sent back. It's very clever, right? Just because this is, shows you how clever they are, but not to fear, not to fear. This is just little kids playing their stupid little games because you're trapping them. Come on. You know, what happens when you catch somebody stealing something? You know, they make all sorts of excuses. You know, just like that advertisement, have some humor about it. You know, there's the kid, the four-year, or five, six-year-old kid. There's, you know, the, the, the orange Cheeto dust everywhere, right? The bag is on the floor, and the kid's got Cheeto dust all over his face and all over his hands. And the father says, oh, did you eat those Frito corn chips? You know, I mean, did you eat those cheese, cheese doodles? No. He's lying right to his face. Show him, you know, turn him around, show him the mirror. It's natural for people. They haven't grown up past third grade. They probably know older than 12 or six years old anyway. Why do you think they get into such a position where they have no obligations, no responsibilities, or so they think? They're hiding from the boogeyman themselves. You know, these people still believe in the tooth fairy. Okay? I'm sorry, but, you know, reality is reality here. There's nothing wrong with mom or dad. You know, when you lose a tooth, giving you a quarter or a dime. Why, why do you have to bring a fairy into the whole thing? It just doesn't make sense to me. But this is where we're at today. So let me read to you the affidavit that they sent back. Affidavit with John Marvel D's. John Marvel is full age, being duly sworn according to law hereby. Depose and say the following one. I am the director of the assessment of the Lancaster County Property Assessment Office. Two, the Lancaster, Lancaster County Property Assessment office is responsible for assessing real estate. I like because I went through this before. I want to make sure I highlight it now. Real estate. 
What did he say? Is he saying an untrue statement? Absolutely not. That's why he doesn't have a problem swearing to it. But what has real estate got to do with your private property? But most people do not know this because they've never read the definition of real estate because we assume we know the definition of words without looking them up. Go look up real estate. You'll find out that you don't have real estate. All right? Or, and we'll get to it in a minute, within Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, for local property tax levy. So there, he's admitting about levy, the word levy, and tax. Um, three, in my capacity as director of the assessment, I am responsible for providing property assessment documents pursuant to right to know requirements as directed by the Lancaster County Office of, of Open Records. Good. So make sure you do that then, which he's about ready to – whenever they do that, they're, they're going to they're gonna tell you what they're supposed to do, and then they don't do it. It's just amazing. They think by telling you what they're supposed to do that somehow that does it. <laughs> it's really bizarre how they think, but that's what they do. Number four, on December 15th – so when you go back, you're going to say you, you, you stated it, but you failed to provide it. Did you do that on purpose? You know, was that intentional or not intentional kind of thing? On December 15, 2014, I received a request from Jeffrey Smiles for the public records. Uh, the evidence is dotted up, session laws, okay, all that, bad valorum, shelter of the other. Okay. So he just repeated, he just copy pasted with what, what, what Jeff put in there. All right, number five. The Pennsylvania right to know law requires written requests to identify, listen to what he's telling you, requires written requests to identify or describe. The record sought with sufficient specificity to enable the county to determine which records are being requested. Oh, okay. So he's telling you he wants you to be more specific. No big deal. You just rewrite it, be slightly more specific. But if you were more specific to begin with, because you had read the rule which he just quoted to you, that the Pennsylvania right to no law but that they described the records sought with sufficient specificity to enable the county to determine which records are being requested. Not that this isn't still a rejection. You still have. This is your first try at getting them to, you know, it's clear what he's looking for. But, you know, we play their game because every time that they deny it one way or the other, whether it's cleverly or not cleverly or find fault, they're still denying it. They still cannot find it because it's not there. Because obviously, if he knew his business, you know, if I was to ask a, uh, you know, a guy in a manufacturing plant that manufactures uh, bolts, and I asked him for, you know, 16-gauge, 16, 16 32, I forget what it was. I could even go into slope, and I could go into the, uh, you know, the, what kind of thread. But generally, you have standard thread, then you have fine thread, you have different types of metal. But they would know. They would be able to pick it out. They could walk over. They got probably 30, 50, 100 boxes, and they knew exactly which thread you were looking for, what size and what length shaft you were looking for, whether it was a, uh, uh, an Allen wrench head or whether it was a, a standard head, whether it was a metric or, or a not metric, okay? All those things, he would know those things because he knows his business. So the fact that this guy, who's the supervisor, apparently doesn't seem to know what, uh, what, he's re you know, what, he, what the guy's asking, he clearly tells he doesn't know his product. But let's continue. Number five, the county is not required to perform legal research for a requester. So, okay, so not, as to number six, you would respond, actually, you're not asking them to do any kind of legal research and put in the definition of what legal research is. Define legal research. It's not doing legal research. 
I want a copy of the statute that you're using, that your office is using. Short and sweet and simple. So right now I say let's go back and let's do it set one step at a time. What I want a copy of the statutes that you're using in order to tax the property of this event that you're claiming to be taxed on this event. That what gives you the authority? Get a generalized one. Then they go, oh, well, we're using Section 32 and through 35. It's like, okay, now at least we got them pinned down to Section 32 through 35. So now we can go ask, okay, which part of section between Section 32 through 35 are you using? Right? And he's going back, okay, we're using this one. Okay, well, where is the CITES for that? Huh? Where's the CITES? Where's the actual description and, as described as required? Where are the tax returns? And, of course, once you see the bigger picture, you know. You're saying, okay, where's the tax return showing that there was income derived off of that property? Because the citizen is going to say that. It's going to be right in there. Look at the definition of person again. So each and every time you find it's virtually the same, but not like, for instance, in Oklahoma, they define person as any uh, – as an individual, and then as an individual, you know, the first one is individual, then it's limited liability company, corporation, municipal subdivision of the state, trust, uh, and so on. But when you go look up the word individual, it's defined as a natural um, person, but a person is already defined as a corporation type of uh, limited liability company, corporation, trust, fiduciary, partnership, and shall include any municipal subdivision of the state. So what does that mean? It means a natural man who is acting in the position as one of those things, either a trustee, um, um, not a trustee, a, a, a trust, a fiduciary, limited liability company, corporation shall include a municipal subdivision of the state. So you see, again, it's just like, it all works together once you get the bigger picture. It's actually, it's actually a very simple picture. It all blends together. It makes perfect sense. In the same way that when they take the office, whether they had kingship or no kingship or some title of nobility, whatever, whoever the hell they think they are, Superman, the moment they take that office, the only powers that they have, if they were Superman, it's kryptonite, baby. You've got none of the powers you had before except those specific powers that were granted to you by the office to do the specific purposes for which they were granted and to nothing else. Not only is the power granted to you, or to them, whoever's holding that office, but it's the power was granted to them for a specific purpose. They can't just say, well, I got the power to kick your ass, so I'm going to kick your ass. No. Just like a warrant. You can't just take a warrant and go wandering around the house looking for shit. That's not how a warrant works. The warrant must specify the thing to be seized and where you're going to look for it. You don't take somebody's hard drive and say, well, somewhere on this hard drive there's some evidence that we can find. No. That'd be a violation. You may not be compelled to give evidence that may be used against a court of law in a criminal case. So if they're compelling you to give evidence, your whole hard drive, and it's not something that they're aware of, that, then it's improper, done inadmissible. So don't worry, even if they get it, it's all inadmissible because it was not clearly specified, which is why you must make the record, which is why you must look before they you let them do any kind of search and seizure. If they have to say, First, I want my copy, which shows the affidavit, because the affidavit must be supported by affidavit. It must, first of all, have probable cause. It must also have an affidavit, and the search warrant must clearly describe the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So are you looking for half of a joint that's a quarter of an inch around 
that has saliva all over it, and it's lousily rolled. It's made out of a, a specific type of ganja weed from Jamaica Mon. If it doesn't clearly describe it, then what the hell are you looking for? Not that one over there that's only a quarter inch long and is perfectly rolled. That's not the one you're looking for. And you, it's the, 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 the search warrant must say which drawer it's in or what table it's on or what, unless, of course, the way they do is well, whatever's in plain sight. Well, that's not what you're there for. You're there to search that specific place. Which obviously for idiots out there, don't leave stuff in plain sight because they just go back. If they were going to do it lawfully, they'd say, while doing the search, I happen to observe this. So they're going to go back out of the house and go get a new search warrant with a new affidavit. That's how they should do it. But now they just, oh, oh, look what I see. This looks like confiscation. Boom. Can't do it. Hale versus Hinkle. Go read further on in Hale versus Hinkle after that part. That's all about page 24, I believe it. After the bar says he owes no duty to the state since he receives nothing therefrom but the protections of his life and property. He owes no duty to the public so long as he does not trespass upon it. It goes on and talks about that. That even for a corporation who's considered under these statutes to be a person, but these purposes only, for the purposes of prosecuting a case, they will shall be considered to be a person. Doesn't make them a person. It says for these purposes only. Again, you see the routine here. The only reason you have the power is for these purposes only. And at no time, at no time, at no time, can the state ever do anything that is not beneficial to you. So if you know that if you're not feeling that you're benefiting from, the, from whatever they're doing, and they're, they're doing something unlawful, how can it be otherwise? Unless you're engaged in a criminal act, in which case you need to be charged. You see, it's all, it all just goes around and around and around. But as a manager, you need to know what it is that they are allowed to do and what they've been granted the power to do so that now you can specifically ask them where under Section 23 through 25 does it grant you the power to tax this property? Oh, under this section. Well, then you go read that section and you go read the definition. You say, well, where is your evidence that this qualifies as real estate? And then you would give the definition of real estate. Where is your evidence that I was engaged in any type of commercial activity on this property? Or a contract where I contracted with the state, such as a limited liability. You file in order to get certain protections that the rest of us don't have. How are you going to tax somebody on using something, on, on, on a usury, a usury tax when they haven't used it? And they don't even have it. So where's the license? And, of course, the, as far as I'm concerned, the fate of complete, since when did the state ever take possession of the property? Show me in the public land records where the state ever had possession, had title to the property in order to sell it. They don't have title to the property. They cannot sell it. So what does that make, that, that tax sale piece of paper? It cannot be anything else than a, other than a counterfeit instrument. And we haven't even talked about all of the things that they've sent you for these bills to try and extort money under threat, duress, or uh, 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 under, um, um, uh, what is it, 18 U.S.C. 241. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate. Well, that's what they're doing. Under the threat of them stealing your property and selling it? And then those people throwing you out? 
believing that they own it because they bought it for like one-tenth of, of its alleged value. They don't have anything but a bloody piece of paper, which is a counterfeit instrument in and of itself. Which means the state is engaged in manufacturing to, to 18 U.S.C. 474, the creation and manufacturing of counterfeit instruments, and then they're selling it, 18 U.S.C. Uh, uh, 471 and 472, uttering and passing of counterfeit instruments. Now, if you're going after them for that, how how well do you think they they get a fare in collecting a tax on the property when they're engaged in a criminal act in their process? And you can show it. When did the state take title to the property? When did they have title? Where's the court case? Because under the CITES, where's the CITES? You don't have the CITES. <clears throat> you don't have the tax return showing what income was derived off of this property. Either that or I was engaged in a criminal act. So where's the court case where I was convicted of engaging in, 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 in for-profit commercial type of activity, for-profit, without a permit that I, was, that I was required to have? Because there had to be a court case convicting me first. <clears throat> what does it say? The 13th, which, which, uh, which, which actually is the 14th, but for, for now we'll just go with what's here. The 13th, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist in the United States or territory subject to its jurisdiction, because I took out the first part because we don't need that, uh, except, at least you'll be getting here, I have to look it up, no state shall make your voice not any law, okay, that's the 14th, uh, where are you, neither slavery nor involuntary, here it is, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, so clearly, again, you're going to say, where was I duly convicted of a crime, that you can rely upon in order to show that I was supposed to have a license and I was supposed to have some sort of nexus with the state. I was supposed to have uh, uh, all of this stuff so that it could be taxed. And then again, specifically, what part of the property is being used in this for-profit enterprise that you're, that you're uh, assuming that I had? Just because I maybe was using two of the five acres to do something that I should have been paying taxes on doesn't mean that the rest of the three acres I was supposed to be paying taxes on. So this stuff becomes very self-evident once you start reading. You go, hey, wait a minute. And you know what the question is to ask. So just lay your foundation down. And then keep send and then you know send it off again and just do it a little bit differently. Respond to their thing. Don't worry about it. It's like a conversation. That's all it is. Ping pong, ping pong. Have you ever played ping pong before? They smack it back to you and you smack it back to them. Put a little bit of English on it this time. Spin it around so it ju- jumps right into their gut. Oops. That's what this is all about. It's setting them up each and every time for the fall. Well, what statutes, I mean, just point blank, what statutes are you relying upon? You know, start off with a general question. Let them specify. It doesn't have to be nasty and mean. We don't, we don't need to be mean and nasty. They're not our enemies. I mean, they're, they're criminals, but they're not our enemies. They don't know any better. So there's no need to get rude and nasty with it, which never gets you anywhere. Why not just do it with a smile? Hey, I was curious. <clears throat> I was thinking of becoming a tax collector one day. <laughs> All right, so that takes care of that issue. Um, just to simply reword it and go after them again. You went three, four, five times where you tried to request them every possible way to get them to show you 
what by what authority they are conducting the activity, the assessment of the property. And if they don't have it, they don't have it. So when you bring your action in court, you're going to say, I've asked them. They haven't shown it to me. It must mean that it doesn't exist. If it doesn't exist, then they don't have the authority, which means they're engaged in doing something they don't have authority to do. It's very simple. And in that process, that means they're engaged in a crime, and as a result, I was injured, oppressed, threatened, and intimidated. And I can show that there's a pattern because I went, uh, not just a pattern, but I can show that this is apparently a policy because they're doing it to many people, but I requested them to quit doing it. I made complaints to the higher-ups to train these people that just because somebody does takes title to property does not mean that it, it needs to go to the assessor's office, which is basically the only thing that they have to go on. <clears throat> well, you bought some property. Yeah, no shit. Well, we're going to tax it. By what authority? Well, you bought some property. Yeah. So we're going to tax it. So by what authority? Well, you bought some property. Yeah. You transferred the title. Right. You put it on the land records. Right. So we're going to tax it. By what authority? Just because you went and bought a piece of property does not authorize them to tax it. And that's what they think. <clears throat> but you have to prove otherwise unless, of course, you're the plaintiff. And that's why when you're the plaintiff, you want to make sure you put forth stuff that they cannot refute, they cannot stop, they cannot uh, 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 strike. They're going to play all sorts of games. But you make your stuff strong. When you make your stuff strong, there's no place for them to go but the settlement table. They're going to negotiate to make sure it does not go to a jury trial. And moving along, uh, there was, let me see, let me look at my notes real quick, what else I wanted to cover today. Ah, yes, I was going to cover um, securitization audit. I have a copy here from my friend Tony. And, of course, I'm not giving out any private information on this. But he has a securitization audit, uh, which he presented to the courts and, I believe, and the courts of appeals and everything else, the court of special appeals as well as the court of appeals. And I'm looking at a copy of it here. And I don't mean to be rude, and, of course, I'm not being rude to anyone. I, I only do this to help people because I want you to win. I want you to do it right. Doing it wrong a thousand times, if you learn something from it, then it's not a mistake. But if you don't learn from it, and the only way that you can show that you've learned something from it is by not doing it again or by correcting the matter. The beautiful thing, which we've learned over and over, and I say it over and over again, is that you can correct your documents. You can actually do amended uh, complaints, amended, order, amended motions. You, you can amend anything. You have that opportunity, like the guy said here. He's basically saying that he didn't specify it. So amend it and send it out again. Box him in slowly. Cut all the corners off. He keeps trying to run around. He's made a blanket thing. Hey, we're not required to do legal research. No one's asking you to do legal, legal research. Thank you very much. I'm asking you to show me what authorizes you to do the activity that you're doing. That's all. It's a very simple question. Because you can't do anything because I happen to know the law, which says you cannot do anything outside of that which you're authorized to do as long as you're holding that office. 
powers you have are, are there only for a specific purpose, and you're not accomplishing that purpose because you're injuring me, you're threatening me, you're intimidating me, you're taking away my right to freely enjoy my property. You're doing just the opposite of what, you're, what all positions of all government are supposed to do. That's to secure these rights governments institute among men. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive, then it's right to people to alter, abolish, and to institute new forms of government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Dude, I don't feel safe, and I sure as hell ain't happy. But we got a problem here. And it ain't me. Because you were created by me, by a bunch of me's, in order to make me happy and secure and safe. And you're not doing any of those things. In fact, you're doing just the opposite. How greater is that? So you've got not only all the criminal charges, as I was saying earlier, as also embezzling the office and Basically, you're impersonating an officer, et cetera, et cetera. You've got more criminal than if a guy just was out here punching me in the face or trying to steal my property outright. And that goes for attorneys, too, because they're all tied in. They all have licenses. Guess what? The beauty about a license means what? It has to be established by the state. It's granted by the state, which means that the state has jurisdiction over them which means that we, the people, have jurisdiction over them because we have jurisdiction over the state. We are the grantors. We are the creators. This is our state. This is our government. These are our positions that we allowed to be created to benefit us. All corporations are creations of the state, and all creations of the state. It doesn't say all corporations. All creations of the state. I say the word to derive. Anything derived from the state is here to do what? to serve me, to protect me, to secure my rights, and to make me happy. Not to steal my property make me unhappy as hell and worried that someone's going to bang on my door and throw me out and kill my dog. This is bullshit. There's plenty of other countries around the world that you can find that. If you want that, by all means, sir, go take an office in another country where the office allows you and authorizes you to go around and beat the hell out of people and steal their property. But it ain't happening here. I mean, it is, but it's, it's unlawful. And it's time for, 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 you know, the rooster to come home, so to speak. So anyway, he has this, um, he has this, this audit, securitization audit. The first thing I noticed, it's in a nice, nice book with the binders and everything. It's real nice. Thick paper, one-sided. But the first thing I notice is that the, is the ink, the print, the ink is faded. Very difficult to see. The first page is decent, um, but it's, it's kind of washed out. It's a little bit washed out. I really recommend that you use a get, and I've said it before, it's not that expensive. You can get an HP, 6P, or 5P laser jet printer, and you get the card just for like $15 or $20. You get them on eBay. You have to buy usually buy four or five of them, but they you get like ten thousand copies of good laser jet non-running prints that are heated into the paper. It's a much much. It's just that look. Again, as little bit of money as I've had, I I, I did that years ago, and I'm so actually it was a gift, so I, I bought it for fun. No, that's not. True. I bought it at a yard sale just on a whim. 
right? Five dollars. It turned out to be the best thing ever that could have happened. I've actually bought them for other people. When I had a little extra money, I went and bought it for other people. They're like twenty-five, thirty-five dollars. The shipping costs more than the damn machine itself. It's worthwhile. You have to have the tools. Okay, bite the damn bullet. Um, get that, and after they get the damn disc, I'm not even. You know, just you know, I, I'm not advertising something here. I'm not not. Nobody's trying to make any money or anything like that. No, I'm telling you what you need. You need the tools. If you don't have the tools, I don't want to hear. It. And then use the damn tools, right? Of course, I can't say anything there. I mean, guilty. I've had had that tool for a long time, and I'm only just barely starting to dive into it lately. But then the first thing I know that, that the pages, um, the print on the pages is small. And the smaller it is, and the fact that the print itself is not sharp, makes it so that I don't want to read it. It's it's down to probably font eight at this point. Because the copies that were made were reduced when they made. And I'm pretty sure now how that happened. I'll help you how to do this. If you're using Word, you want to go to layout, and when you go to layout, you're going to remove all margins. Go to the part which says margins, and you want to set them at zero. You then open up the picture document, and you copy it, and then you bring it over, and you paste it into the document, into the Word document that has no margins on it, but you must do that first. You cannot do it afterwards. And then you paste it, you hit the return, return, and it should give you a new page. All right? It's a little trick that I found. And that way you will get the full size of whatever you have in your computer, the picture. You'll get it at least full size onto that page. The reason why these are small is because he left the margins in here. So he has a double margin, the margin that was already on the original, as well as now he has a mark. That picture is being fit within the margins that are on the page that he's saving it on. So that's the solution for that, for the people who don't know that. It took me a long time to figure it out, but that's what it, that's the way to, to do that. What's going on with my phone here? All right, it shows that it's okay. Hold on a second. All right, so that's the first thing that I wanted to mention. Presentation, presentation. The more I go along here, the more I learn the more I realize that we actually, as I mentioned in, in, the, in the blast, that we want to make it pleasing to the eye. We want to make it so that a person wants to read it, which the first thing is not to be too controversial right off the bat, not too knuckleheadish, not too, oh, I'm a liberated, abolibilated, and I'm the, uh, the exposition just for nine pages. You don't want all that. Something simple, as one of the sovereign people of the, of the state, of the Union State of Maryland, for instance. Right? It lays it all out there. Right? You don't need a whole lot more than that. Okay? I'm not a 14th Amendment citizen. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not this. I'm not that. And they're going, well, that's great. Okay, he's not this. He's not that. What has that got to do with anything? You're not making any claims. You're just telling them everything that you're not. Why don't you tell them what you are? I'm claiming all rights. Waving none. Known and unknown, as one of the sovereign people entitled to it. Right? Real simple. That's number one. The next thing is you want to make it so that you have what's called a bite. Something that's going to capture them. Something that's going to grab them. Make them want to see it. What's going to make it so the first line they see is going to, is going to get your point across. As I read this audit, 
it's not until you get damn near done with it. He goes through his whole explanation, everything like that. But the real thing is there's two basic statements in here that ends up, um, uh, hence without the true owners of the note stepping forward to demand foreclosure, any foreclosure that was securitized may, and here, why you can use the word may, may be completely unlawful. It is. Be positive. Um, uh, buh, 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 buh. Because you're making the statement that you need to rebalt it. The other thing is, is this was written by somebody else. Where's the other one? There's one other thing here, which was, which was useful. But I'm all the way, you know, I'm like freaking 15, 20 pages back. The issue with the securitization process is that when the securitized instrument was sold, it was split apart and sold in tranches, uh, in slices like a pie. There were few or no records kept of which notes when went into the trunch, nor were the records of how many investors bought each into each particular trunch. Additionally, there were no assignments designated or signed uh, in anticipation of establishing legal standing to foreclose. Okay, I, you know, the last part might be worthwhile, but what's, you know, you, come on, you want, you want to have the stuff up front, then it continues, the trunches were rated by ratings, and it isn't, it's an explanation, but it really doesn't get to the heart of the matter, in, in my opinion, and he doesn't um, really until, and, and he doesn't highlight anything, um, uh, let me see, there was another statement here that it was worthwhile, um, where is it? Uh, uh, it has a title here, Possession of the Note, Note Holder, Due Course. It gets in all that, which is really completely unnecessary. And then he uses this here. You, you know, you're using facts that you haven't put on the evidence. This comes to the fore, forefront because it has been reported. Listen to that statement. It's been reported that upwards of 40% of notes are missing and cannot be found. Mears is once again involved in this. You're not making any statement of facts, which tells me you don't have any facts. No wonder the courts aren't looking at this. With statements like that, you know, you want the facts. Such and such a case state so and then later on it talks about where mirrors, let me see if I can find that for you and show you how dumb that is. And at first I used to think this stuff was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's laying them out there, right? Um, mirrors. It gets into mirrors. Tries to nail mirrors on the whole thing. Where that is. Oh, and then he, this, the question then arises as to assignments further down the chain of title under these circumstances. What do you mean the question arises? It just, you know, you're, 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 again, state facts. Um, laying it out, laying it out. It's not trust was not actual lender. Okay, what we do know now is what do you mean? We do know now. Okay, who cares? State the facts. In most cases, the reality is that the re reported lender on the deed of trust is not the actual lender. Well, we you know we don't want to talk about everybody else. We want to talk about this specific one. This is a court case about this specific one, not about all the other ones. Okay. Um, Wall Street created pooling agreements where they defined what evidence, you know, yeah, you put stuff in here that looks good, but where's the evidence of it? Where's your court case? They only have one court case in there the whole time. Um, uh, and none of this can be proved. I mean, they don't have any evidence actually proving it. It's all 
basically speculation, securitization process. Uh, mirrors, here it is, mirrors, mirrors, mirrors. Um, and judicial foreclosure states, mirrors doesn't mention the state. To say it's nonspecific. Mears foreclosure lawsuits often include a lost, missing, or destroyed affidavit. Well, again, is that a statement of fact, or is that a presumption, or is, you know, it's completely weak even in the way it's stating it? This this affidavit testifies that the note. What does that got to do with this case, right? I mean, you know, note cannot be found, and the note prior to being lost was in the possession of Mears. This has become very problematic for Mears. Well problematic doesn't mean doesn't refute it sufficiently you see what i'm getting at since they have admitted in courts which ones name the court cases do the quotations that they do not own the note or even hold the note if this is so if what is so that they testify to that even then what is that you know is that evidence unless you have a whole bunch of them you need to have evidence to back it up those are only court cases that you should have brought in there's nothing here then Mears is likely filing fraudulent affidavits. See, likely filing. Well, there's there's no definitive statement here, is there? It's willy willy wishy washy, mealy mouthy. Hey, we think we're not sure, but you know, we want you to just get rid of this foreclosure because you know this doesn't look right. You know, that's really what they're saying. Not that I'm disagreeing. It's just not strong enough medicine, guys. You know, Tai Chi from the center. Whoa! You know, you have to summon that power into one thing and punch. Not just have this splitting, you know, well, I'm going to spit around and fall on my ass and try to kick you from my sitting position when you're 30 feet away. It's just dumbness, right? So what I'm getting at is that we're shooting ourselves in the foot by using documents like this as well. It's not clear. It's not concise. There's no affirmative statement. There's nothing, no evidence backing up. And that's why I'm tearing it apart. And they don't even need to tear it apart because you're – and you're an idiot pro se, so they just don't even waste their time tearing it apart. Because there's no issue here. They just go, wow, that's nice. And then they ignore it. It's no wonder they ignore it. I wouldn't waste my time on it either. Now, now a year ago, I thought this was the greatest thing since sliced butter. But now that I know better, because it's about the presentation, then it goes on about the securitization process. The lender sold the loan to Wall Street. Lender earning from 2.58 points per loan. Where's the evidence? They're making statement after statement after statement without any evidence to back it up. Um, and then, you know, starting off sentence, it must also be noted that the lender or other holder of the note registers the loan on mirrors. Just a statement, it must also be noted. Are you noticing the court or are you not noticing the court? Um, the existence of mirrors indicated numerous violations of unfair deceptive acts and practices due to the conflicting nature and identity. Again, where is the case law? You know, they're bringing all these issues up, throwing stuff up there instead of focusing on one and nailing it down. Um, so, you know, sorry, but, you know, I'm just – the whole thing gets torn apart, and I, I don't think that the issues they're raising are – as important as the fundamental issue, which I I believe is the way to go about this, and that is the fundamental right to contract. As I said before, and I'll say it again, do what you want. Securitization on it can be useful because it will give you some information if it's a good one. This is about the only useful information in here really is there's one case law 
and at the beginning it lays out and the way it lays it out is I don't think is is helpful either information on the loan you know so so they're throughout the whole thing they're actually establishing that there was a loan if you look at it it's more than an admission you're actually using the fact that there was a loan establishing the loan that this is where the fund you know the funds came from that they say the funds uh, the one who funded the loan uh, was actually Wall Street. Well, I happen to know that's not true, okay? But that's another, that's, that's, to me, it's dumbness. Why would you sit there and shoot yourself in the foot there? There is a, a little bit of information here. It, it gives you the originator, the trustee, the servicer, cutoff date, which was very important, closing date, which is important. Um, and for obvious reasons, which we talked about, now, here they have the sponsor, they have the depositor, the sellers, originator, servicer, trustee, custodian, and the insurer. Now, what's interesting on the insurer, it says no insurer is specified. The applicable provisions in, on insurance are in the section titled Description of the Securities, page 29, and Credit Support, page uh, 46 of the prospectus. Why the hell did they put it in there? Nobody's going to go looking at it. Where's the perspective? Did you put a copy of this perspective? Because there's like 180 pages. Why just put those two pages in there? And, and, and if it's a little bitty quote, it should be right there. You know, you want it, you're trying to get people to understand what you're saying and, and put it together. It's just not here. It's totally the opposite. It's difficult to read. It's faded out. It's so small I can't read it. And it's, it, some of the stuff is so unclear, I'm going to have to look at it with a magnifying glass, and I still can't understand what I'm saying. But the few things that are available here is a cutoff date and make the issue on that. Uh, but I look at it the other way around. It's a real simple thing. That, um, uh, where it says clearly, it says, in return for a loan I have received, I promise to pay. Okay? And the second part, which I've said a thousand times, I'll say it again. The next line says, the lender or anyone who takes this note by transfer and is entitled to payments on the note shall be called the note holder. All right? And I'll repeat it again. Go through your note, and you'll find that note holder, note holder, note holder, note holder, note holder, note holder can do this, note holder can do that. But when it comes to the foreclosure, you will go look at your deed of trust. Only the lender can do the foreclosure. And I've mentioned that a hundred times, and I say it again, use your head. Look, everybody else has tried it their way. Why not try it this way? Based on facts, it's based on what's in there. The right to enforce contract, the obligation of contract. The first thing, it's a conditional contract in return for. Well, they can't show. So the easiest thing to do, if you ever get them on the stand, the first thing you do is do what I did to a banker. All right, let me get this straight, banker. I gave you a note, right? They go, yeah. What did I get in return for my note? Well, we gave you the house. Really? Yes. No, you didn't. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Well, did you ever own the house? No. Well, then how the hell can you give me a house that you never owned? That was the end of that conversation. Then in person, I asked him again. I said, well, what did I, you know, what did I get in return for my note? I got a certified money, money, certified funds from the bank in exchange. Is that correct? Yes. Well, we, in the wording, I just used it. I gave you a note. I could rest my case right there. I gave you a check. What did you give me in return? Now, does that sound like a loan to you? It can't be. If I've established on the record by asking the question, I gave you a note, 
what did I get in return? If I give you a check, how did you give me a loan? It's impossible. And even if you gave me a quote-unquote loan, the moment I gave you the note, you used the note and got credit for the, from the note, whatever it was, whether it was Juju B's, a note, piece of paper, guitar, it doesn't matter what I gave you, but I gave you something that you were able to monetize in the same amount that you allegedly loaned me. So that was value for value. It was an exchange. Where's the loan? The loan would be where you gave me a loan and all you have is a receipt that you gave me that loan, nothing else, which is what the note's supposed to be, but it's not. Technically, all it's supposed to be is, well, in receipt of a loan I have received. I promise to pay. That's what it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to take the note, monetize it 50 different times, make copies of it, put it into bundles, and, and, then, and then go and, and get investors to, to, to buy uh, 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 different shares or, or, or um, you know, instruments on this, this huge bundle of stuff and separate the note, the deed of trust, and use the, the value that's in the deed of trust. The deed of trust can only be activated. It's completely dormant. It's a specific performance instrument, as both of them are, and they're conditional. They're not following it. Where is the violate? What is it that they're doing? They're violating your right, and as Hale versus Hinkle says, your right, your power, not just your right, but your power to contract is absolute. Article 1, Section 10, nor shall any state make any law respecting the obligation of contract, the way it is written. The same thing with the laws. How are the laws written? That's the contract that they're working under. I didn't tell you, I didn't, there's no contract in here that says that you're going to build me a giant full-size swimming pool in my backyard and charge me $5 million. I'm not obligated to pay you $5 million. You're not supposed to be building a pool in my backyard. There's no contract for it. You're supposed to put a railing around my my uh, my fence. I mean, a railing around my, my patio. That's it. You see what I'm getting? It's that simple. Show me the contract. Show me the contract. Show me the contract. Whether it's the position that you're holding, the opposite you're holding, the activity that you're relying upon, you know, the activity that you're doing, where is your authorization? You cannot do anything. And you can call yourself attorney, attorney all day long. You can call yourself Esquire all day long. It gives you absolutely no power to do anything. And all the powers that you have that are derived from anything that is that, 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 are, that anything that is derived from the state is to benefit the people. I'm one of the people. You're not benefiting me. So something's wrong here. You see, you always go back to that. It's very simple. They are engaged in criminal acts. And anyone who's engaged in criminal acts, once you show that they're engaged in some sort of criminal act or improper activity, they no longer have capacity. Remember that word, capacity. Not just standing, but capacity to even bring the suit. You have to have capacity to bring the suit. They don't have capacity. If you really went through what they're trying to say in this whole doggone document, which they don't know the legal terminology, obviously, is that the party doesn't have capacity because it doesn't have the original note. Standing is do they actually, they may have the note. Standing means are they entitled to payments under the note? They can't show that either, but I would rather argue capacity. Do you have any business being here? No. Do you have the note? No. 
Are you even representing somebody who does have a note? No. Okay, what the hell are you doing here then? You see how simple that is? And the fact that you're bringing this action is a sham pleading, which now you're engaged in more criminal acts because you're threatening, intimidating, and injuring me as a result. Converting, converting, conversion, well as manufacturing security, you know, improper security instance, you're, you're uh, enticing, what is it called, um, inducement by fraud, induce me to signing a document under fraudulent conditions, which you're now using to, and monetizing, that goes under the United States, the United States USC. Because what they're doing is they're exchanging your instrument ultimately for obligations of the United States. And that's, if you remember, I told you I called Secret Service, and I, I asked them the questions about this, and I said, are they not going into court with a copy of an instrument? Is the court not giving an order, and that order causes the sale of property? The sale of property then is received in obligations of the United States. Those obligations of the United States are then given to the person who brought the action. And the only thing that they have is a copy of the instrument. Is that not, by definition, uttering and passing a counterfeit instrument? He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. This is, I can't believe the judges aren't catching it. It's a secret service. Why? Because secret service, it, its fundamental original reason was to, to, uh, to catch counterfeitings. Their obligation. See, break it down. It's so simple. Who cares about the securitization? It's just evidence of more crime. They're trying to show that the note and the deed of trust were separated. Well, we know that. You need to show how it's a crime, that what they've done is a crime, or how it absolutely voids it. And they go into all that case law, which I've done, and they, the, the courts have managed to stifle that because it wasn't done properly. I have yet to see a case one because they said that the note, the deed of trust were separated. It's a valid argument, no doubt. But they've always managed to find a way to weasel out. Now, the thing to do is to find, find a way that they can't weasel out. What I say, it's a counterfeit instrument. Why is it counterfeit? Because my signature it did not authorize it to be used in that manner. By using it in an unauthorized manner, it voids it. It's not just voidable, it is void. It's void from its inception because of inducement by fraud. As well as the failure for the conditions proceeding to be fulfilled. No evidence of it. So you want to get to the foundation of the matter which is much more important than going off in left field and trying to you know, hammer them down on that. And then and then have these weak statements of well, it appears and we want to further make notice that, you know, note of, it should be further, you know, ridiculous stuff. And it goes into a signing liability. But, I mean, this is a, how many pages here? 73 to 97, so that's what? 25, 24 pages? Plus the cover there, you got 26 pages. 26 pages. That's a whole lot of stuff there. A whole lot of stuff, and they really don't care. It's not, even reading this, 
taking the time to read the 26 pages and going through it, it doesn't lay it out satisfactorily enough, strong enough, to make me believe that there's anything other than, well, maybe there's some improprieties going on here or things that we need that might need to be. But, if, you know, with, with their thinking that, you know, you borrowed the money because here it's admitted that money was borrowed. That's the first thing. He continues to, to, to verify that money was borrowed, money was borrowed, and who loaned it? Well, it turns out that it was actually the investors that loaned it. Well, okay, so then, you know, that's, you know, let them go ahead and do the foreclosure, and then the lenders will have to figure out how to get their money back, you know, which we already know they've tried and they can't you know, which is the, the investors. So it, to me, this is, I hate to say it, but it's its not, the first thing I want to talk about is what? Presentment. If you're going to present something, make sure that it's a Mona Lisa, make sure it's something worth presenting. If you can't paint Mona Lisa yourself, then at least get a damn good copy of one. And that's why you want to copy the statutes and the laws right out of their stuff and put it right in there. Refer to it and put it in there. Less words that we use of our own words, we're just tying it together. Statute says this, they did that. Statute says this, they did that. The last time somebody did what they're doing, this court case says that this is what they went, that this is what they did improperly. And it has to be a controlling court, not one of the lower ones. Make your case. Cause of action. You have to cause the court to get off its lazy butt this contradictory concept and principles that it's running under, and to step up and do what you're asking them to do. If you cannot compel the court, it says it right there in jurisdictionary, you must compel the court. What do you mean by compel? Make it so that they have no damn choice, and if they don't, then they're engaged in a criminal act themselves, and they know, and not that they're scared of doing that, and that you are savvy enough, smart enough, and able to put together a case strong enough to hold them accountable. I've seen people, you know, all these accusations people make are fantastic and wonderful and great. The only problem is the court knows that you're not going to follow any any further than just whining and crying and moaning about it. And they'll say that as much, oh, well, he copies a bunch of stuff off the Internet. And when you sit there and go, oh, well, yeah, I did get off the Internet, and they go, oh, there you go, you're on. As if that discredited it. But if you get your stuff off, the, off, of, the, uh, off of their case law, and, I, and you said they say, yes, I got it off of the, the Internet, off of the state's website. I got it off the Internet when I went to the land records site, office site, and got copies, authorized, certified copies from the land records office. Now you make them look like an idiot. The more you can make them look like an idiot, the better you look. Who do you think the judge is going to go with, the idiot or the one who's, who's winning and kicking the shit out of the other guy? And apparently has enough balls to hold him accountable to his own, to his position and prove his case and make it stick. We know they're criminals. We don't need to keep talking about it. We know they're criminals. Some are criminally minded. Some are just criminally negligent. So learning the stuff and reading the stuff Instead of reading the guru stuff and all the stuff that doesn't matter, doesn't is not practical, is not going to be useful. Don't get distracted on either the 13th Amendment or 
the Civil War or what Roosevelt may or may not have done. None of that stuff is pertinent to the case. Pertinent to the case. The specifics of the case. Where are you right now? What charges are you going to be bringing against them? What do you want to show when, you're, when you bring your action? Those are the issues you want to raise now. And presentment, presentment, presentment. Shorter the better. You know, like I, like I said, in my case, with the, with the, I, it ended up being two lines. I have no knowledge of abandoned vessels in the, in the river waters or whatever it was. Whatever, I just quoted their stuff. Second sentence, I have no knowledge of any dumping. The only thing that I will do later on is is put in the, de- you know, first my general uh, uh, denial, which, why is that important? Because they have to show in a criminal case, they have to show that I had knowledge because in a criminal case you have to have what? You have to have intent. You cannot have intent if you don't have knowledge. Not so in civil cases. You are presumed to be innocent, although we know that they consider you to be guilty, but at least they'll follow general procedure. But nobody ever denies it. Same thing with the civil ones. Who does the the uh, debt dispute letter or the debt validation letter? See, it's the foundation, foundation, foundation that we're all missing. And then when we finally have a little bit of foundation, we screwed up by not presenting it properly. Not that I think that this securitization audit is worth even, you know, really the information in here is, is virtually useless because it has these whiny little statements. You could use it in your own records, show that this was a closing date, but they didn't even put a copy, a courtesy copy in here that I can see. Let me see if they did or not. They can't because I know that the perspectives on these things are huge. Yeah, no, they don't have this. They just have information. They just made some quick money. So you need to put in a, a copy of the exact places in the trust itself, which is the agreement, which again goes back to the right to enforcement agreement, even though allegedly you're not party to the, to the trust, but in a way you are because it is your trust that they're using. It's your note that they're using. You did not authorize that. So either go with the, with the fact, you know, which is the smart thing, that, hey, the thing was stolen and misappropriated, misused. I didn't authorize it to be put into a trust. It's not a negotiable instrument because it is not a um, um, unconditional obligation to pay. It is conditional. There's all sorts of conditions in it. So it's a real simple thing. Just, just stay on focus and stay on, on track as to what it is that you're trying to accomplish and get her done. Look up the definition of words. In my saving grace each and every single time, if I did nothing else, at least I looked at the definition of the terms that they were charging. You know, like when I did, when, when, when it was the, uh, um, what do you call it, the um, quote-unquote restraining order, the peace order. You know, they were trying to say, uh, what was it, was it stalking? I think it was, not st- was it stalking or uh, harassment? They're all basically the same. So all I did was look up the definition of the words. So I couldn't say, well, you know, here she is swearing that I was I was uh, harassing in their documents, although it was never sworn sworn to. But I got them to the, to the uh, under the definitions. Did I ever follow you? That was the first one to follow. 
course, they're missing the whole point, to follow with the intent to harass and scare the crap out of people. Did I? And so I just asked, did I ever follow you? No. Did I ever threaten you? No. Well, okay. There's no following and no threat, and there's clearly no intimidation, is there? And then when I asked, oh, well, I was scared of you. Is there any way that I could have known that you were scared of me? No. Well, then clearly there can't be intent for me to scare you. You were scared all on your own. You should be charging, you should be doing a peace order on yourself or scared the crap out of yourself. Anybody can be scared of anybody and anything. That doesn't give you a right to, uh, you know, to, to put a restraining order on somebody. See how simple it becomes once you get it down. You nail it. Once you know the definitions. Again, we need to study the tax code. If you're going after them on the tax code, study the tax code. Ask for the, the specifics. Well, where under Section 122.4 are you, what part of 124.2 applies to private non-commercial use property? See, now you've got it nailed down. Once you know which ones they're using on your property. And then you know that there's a sentence because it says that they shall be charged only in accordance with the sentence. So you go, well, where's the sentence that you're using? And know that they don't have an answer to it. Know that if you're in the lower courts, which is not where you want to be anyway. That they're going to just walk all over you. Pretend like you didn't ask these questions. But you're not there for them to recognize you. They're to make your record. And to show that it is a policy of the state to do such misbehavior. What this is all about. Laying the foundation down to make your case when we get to federal court, which is why we were reading, and then I'm going to have to get back to that a little bit, um, the Federal Practices Manual. It lays it out, what you need, how to do it. Kind of got bored with the reading of it, so we went back to, you know, me trying to present it to you in such a way that it's easier to understand, at least the, the bigger picture. And also, what's on that disc, by the way, is jurisdictionary, and it's if you want to get jurisdiction, I think it's 275, so go ahead and get it all by itself if you want. Instead of getting jurisprudence and all the other wonderful documents that are on that disc, just go ahead and get the jurisdictionary first. I think that's 275. I did. I bought it. I had, well, actually, someone gave it to me for Christmas a couple of years before um, I even knew about any of this stuff. Still, I, I only reviewed it quickly, and then it wasn't until a year later that I finally went through it in detail. I personally find certain discrepancies in it. That's just my opinion. It's not my best. It, for me, it wasn't the best medium, but for most people, they're great. They love it. But there certainly is. A, it certainly didn't hurt me. Good issues there. It's laid out. Now, one of the best tools that's in that is the chart, the flow chart. One of the best ways for you to see the bigger picture, how this works, the flow chart. Everything is just a process. Everything is just a procedure. But like every process and every procedure, each one relies upon the one previous to it. So if you haven't tilled any soil and you haven't planted any seeds, you're probably not going to get any crops. And if you're allowing them to continue to plant their seeds and till their soil without you stepping on it and, and having the, the those their seeds removed or or sprayed so that they won't produce fruit in the future, well, then they've just done what? They've acted like Monsanto. They've put 
planted their seeds in your field, dumbass. The whole idea about responding back to their dumbness is to point out that their seeds cannot grow. But if you leave them alone, they're going to grow. You need to pluck them out. I don't know how to how to lay it out there in, in, in a simple kindergarten way, since that's apparently where we're at men- mentally wise. And so are they. So when you're writing your papers, you want to keep it short, simple, and sweet to the point. This is what the law says. This is what they're doing. They can't do it. This is what the law says. This is what they're doing. They can't do it. They said that they're doing this in accordance with the law, but when we look the law up, it actually says this. It means they misrepresented the law, another crime. And don't forget the private side. There is a tremendous, tremendous, a tremendous amount that you can do to gather evidence. Remember, you're out here harvesting your fields. Send your letters off. You got a mortgage that you're trying to work with or whatever, even the foreclosure doesn't matter. And particularly after foreclosure, you know, you really have even much more, more, more power than you did before, essentially. Because after the fact, you now sit there and write letters to all these people claiming to be the lenders and ask them for the payoff amount. It's a simple letter. And I would like to know what the payoff amount is as of two weeks after the date of receipt of this letter. And any accounting that you may have of it in the meantime. Thank you so much. You send this off to every freaking Tom, Dick, and Harry nanny you can find. And find out that two or three or four or five of them respond and go, oh, well, your payoff amount is this much, and this is who has your note. Well, now you certainly have a conflict. You have three or four people claiming they got the note. And none of them are the parties that did the foreclosure. Oh, go figure. That's what you do in the public. Or I call it the private, actually. I mean, you do it in the private. You know, I call it the private. It's between you and them before you bring it to the court. Something else I missed, you know, all this discovery. You need to have – this is your own way of getting discovery without actually using discovery techniques yet, without getting into the legal aspect of discovery. You can do your own discovery. What do you think a public information request is? It's a form of discovery. You're discovering what they have and what they don't have. And you're asking, what do you have? That's you is what you're doing. What do you got? Oh, you got two twos. So you got a pair of twos and that's all you got in your hand? Well, dude, that's not enough. But if you never ask them what they have in their hand, then you don't know. And you're making a presumption. And they'll, they'll allow you to let, uh, to make that presumption, that kind of a presumption. And then they sit there and you allow this stuff to sit there and say, well, a loan was made on such and such a date. But the first thing you need to challenge, what loan? Objection. Evidence not, uh, what is it, um, testifying to evidence that's not on the record. It's not, been, it's not been put onto the record. There's no evidence of a loan. The only thing we have evidence of is that I gave them an, an, an instrument based upon false, uh, mis- and, false and misrepresentation. We don't even need to say that, technically. What did you give me in return for my note? Okay. I mean, that's it. I just established that I gave them the note before they gave me anything in return. That's an exchange. Are they using the note? Yes. Was the note 
did the, was the note treated and acted as value? A for B stuff. Did the bank get value? Were they able to sell something? Did they get anything in exchange for your note? I don't care how they did it. If they used your note and they got some consideration in return, it clearly shows that the note it's in and of itself has value, intrinsic value. If the note itself has intrinsic value, then how can they say that they haven't been, uh, that they haven't, that they don't have something of value when they're sitting there using the value that's in the note and then separately using the value of the deed of trust, which they're not authorized to do. But at the very least, it shows that you gave them something of value. That's what all this evidence shows. You don't sell something that doesn't have value. Nobody buys something that doesn't have value. Not a loan. If I loan you 50 bucks and I give you an IOU, you can't go running around and, and monetizing that IOU 50 different ways. I had to pull something out of my pocket. The only thing I have, uh, something of value, substance, whatever it is, I had to give it to you first, and then you give me the IOU in return for a loan I have received. It always boils back to the very foundation, everything. What evidence do you have? Criminal, what evidence do you have of any intent? If it's civil you need to, and you're the defendant, you need to turn it around on them. You need to prove that what, what they're presenting is, un, is, is untrue. So just bite the bullet. That's the way it is. But it also means that when you're the plaintiff, presume that what you're saying is true, and if you're smart enough to make sure that you, you, you back it up with everything so there's nowhere for them to disprove it, then you're going to win your case. End of story. So I'm going to open it up. Anyone got questions, comments, or otherwise? Let's see, we got a couple more people on here. Hello, hello, hello. Testing. Is there any live human beings out there? Oh, excuse me, by the way, a minute to say. In um in Maryland I looked up the definition of person that used the word individual. When I looked up the word individual, it said human being. Well, that doesn't mean man, does it? It's talking about a human being. When you look up the definition of a human being, it means a monster. And sometimes they even use a human being is to be and or and other animals, which we read a couple weeks ago, not an animal. But even then, if what it means is that a human being operating in the position for which they uh, which they're in, and again authorized to do only those things for the specific purpose of accomplishing the securing of our rights, the protection of our property, and our lives, and our happiness. See how simple that is. So even if they have the power to beat you up, is that beneficial to you? Does that secure your rights? Any activity that they do, that includes every corporation, every office, and every officer that holds that holds that office. See, it's fiduciary obligations, responsibility that they have. It's an obligation that they have. Forget about the sworn oath. It's their obligation contractually. Do 
the oath is part of their contract. The oath is also is as binding as the contract. And slightly, allegedly, supposed to be more. An oath is supposed to be putting your soul on the line. And I found something interesting in the Constitution of Maryland, which I didn't know, that anybody holding an office must believe in God. I thought it was very strange that they actually have it in there, but it is. And in Maryland, I didn't know this, but every officer is supposed to know the Constitution, as are the people. I thought that was very strange. I've never seen that before either. So I've been right all along. We have an obligation to know the law, at least in this state. And they're doing an awful lot more to to reveal, uh, you know, to to make the law more accessible. The only unfortunate thing is that the mindset is where the, the their perspective is is so screwed up. It's not even funny. Even the librarian uh, who knew an awful lot and knew where to find it was completely unreceptive as to the actual statement of the law. But when I asked her, I said, well, I'm trying to find the law that allows the state to um, regulate private property. She says, oh, that can't be. You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. But at least she knew that much. But when it came to the tax thing, which is the same thing, in reality, it's just merely subjugating somebody and their, pro- and their, and their property to the state's will. Same thing I just said a second ago. She didn't, you know, she's just like, uh, uh, well, I got to go, kind of, you know, made her uncomfortable. Talking about not having to pay property taxes because she didn't get the connection that they are the same thing. Property taxes are the same thing. It's compelling somebody to do something that violates their freedoms. cannot own property and have to pay a tax on it. It just doesn't make any sense. You don't own it. Alloyed elite. And like I say, Maryland is one of the first states that had, because it's one of the original 13, that had one of the very first uh, cases, and it talked about alloyedial title. As a king, in your own right. Which means not subject to anybody else. And a tax is subjugation. You cannot, how the hell can you tax somebody Yet there is no oblig, you know, there has to be an obligation. Otherwise, you can't take a tax. But what happened is they got people to do it voluntarily for so long that they began to believe that this is enforceable. And then they started with the attorneys uh, and, and the legislature attorney and legislators sitting there wording things in such a manner that it's so easily misunderstood that everybody continues doing the criminal act. That's what we mean when we say that the ground is so extremely fertile. I mean, you literally, it's like schools of fish. When I was a kid growing up on a boat, you could literally take a three-pronged, you know, like a frog, frog sprigger, what they call them. When I learned later on when I came on the land lovers, we call them frog spriggers. But, you know, we call them three-pronged, like if you've ever seen um, uh, Neptune, you know, he's got the three-pronged fork thing. Well, it's a small version of that. And if you took one of those and put it at the end of a pole, you know, just like a broomstick, and you put a, you know, put a little notch all the way around the end of the broomstick, and then tie your rope real good with a, with a double, um, um, two half hitches, so it basically ends up being on itself, so it slips, and it basically would tighten up. And you throw the sprigger in there, and you you literally close your eyes. We used to do it. 
throw the springer, and you'd end up with a fish at the end of your uh, at the end of your, uh, your 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 forks there, because there was so many fish. Just look around and see how many offices are out there, how many public servants are out there, and how many attorneys are out there. And how far you know? How far do you have to go to you know? If you go into a courthouse and you know throw your 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 fork in almost any direction, you're going to get a public servant, or an attorney, or somebody, right? And you can't go to any almost any record anywhere on the land record, as we've already gotten from Salem, Massachusetts. It's 82 percent, and that's the estimated the the estimated based upon a proper audit done. At the minimum, 82% of the land records on property is corrupted due to the improper assignments of these of these fraud closure bills. I'd say, you know, as an investor, I think one would invest if you're going to do eight, you have an 82% chance. Eight to two, which is four to one. Who wouldn't take those odds? Which means you could, you know, and, and, and there again, if you just quickly look and you don't find the elements you're looking for, which, you know, then you ought to sit there and frame that one if you can find one. I haven't found a foreclosure yet that was done properly. That's done lawfully. That the, that the person doing the foreclosure was entitled to payments under the note. That they took the note by transfer that they put something of their own on it. The only one you're going to find that is in private lenders, where the private lender puts something out of their damn pocket. You bet your ass they do. They come up with the money, and they need those monthly payments. That should be real obvious, because it won't be anything involving a bank or any kind of an institution. So it's real simple. Get your head wrapped around it. And the basic fundamental is that all of this was created and given to us. We already own it. It's already ours. That's why what people don't know, and there's, I know there's resistance from a lot of corners, but the fact of the matter is the way, after many, many years of study, and I've studied this over and over and over again, including the tax code, when you look at it all, the fact of the matter is, is that because of the fiat money system, We are, in fact, the creditors. We're the creditors of the government. The credit, we're the creators. How can we not be the creditors when, they're, when we're the creators of it? Of course we're the creditors. When you create a note, what are you actually saying? Hey, we need more money in circulation. Currency. Need more currency in circulation. Really what your note is, it's a request to the treasury. Hey, I need some of those funds which are guaranteed to me. I know people can't get their head wrapped around it, but that's just the way it is. It's a fact. Each one of us, near as we can figure out, is worth about $6.4 billion. Not worth, but that's, that's what is, is owed to us by the United States. That doesn't mean you go out there doing the 1099 OIT stuff and trying to, trying to get stuff from the IRS. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the public trust. Anything that the state owns, we own. Anything the United States owns, we own. We own the United States. We own the states in which we reside. That's what it means to be a citizen. This is ours. 
It's our kitchen. It's our milk that's in that refrigerator. It's our highways. Who the hell are they to, to, to pretend like we're outsiders using their stuff? No, 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 no. It's a misrepresentation that we're subject to them. No, because we're not corporate. That's the first thing I do on all these tax things, show that I'm a person as defined under the statute. The first thing you have to do. And if you're not a person as defined under the statutes, which is we already listed, there's four different ways that you can show that you're not or that they can't show that you are. But remember, civil, so you need to prove that you're not. One of the ways by showing, by asking them, by making your what? Public information request. That's how you turn the tables on. But if you don't make any requests and you go, well, I'm not, I'm not this and I'm not that, well, that's nice. You need to show that they don't have what they necessary to bring into court to, to prove their case. How do you do that? Well, you ask them to prove it. You ask them to show it to you. Hey, where's the proper and active statute and law? That you're relying upon in subsection 2-4a says that, that, that taxes shall be assessed only in accordance with the citizen. Well, in accordance with t- subsection 2-4a, where is the citizen? What is the number of the citizen, please? Box them in. But if you never read the statute, you never read the law, you don't know the statute that, that says that you can only be taxed in accordance with the, with the citizen, would you? You're going out here blind. Blind, deaf, and dumb. Not to mention the fact that most of us are stupid. And I think I've given you my definition of that. Stupid is when you know better, but you do it anyway. Dumb is when you don't know any better. Most people are dumb, but a lot of us are stupid. And I raise my hand on that with stupid because I, I know better and I do it anyway. Got to stop doing that, Joe. Stop! Stop doing it. Stop giving ourselves excuses. And I'm telling you, every time I do it ahead of time, I feel so much stronger and so much better. It's just so much more worthwhile instead of waiting to the last minute. The stress and, and agony is just, just overwhelming. It's not worth it. Do it, get it done. You're going to have to write it sooner or later. You're going to have to read it sooner or later. Why not sooner? You will end up in court one way or the other. A court is going to have an impact on your life sooner or later. As I've said to people, making money is easy. It's holding on to it. That's hard. That's what these people are. They're white-collar thieves. Bust your ass to sit there and, and make money and build a house and do all the things that I've done with my hand, my own two hands. And what do they do? First, they do is steal the equity of it. They convert it into some sort of an obligation. When they have the obligation to protect it and to protect my property and my rights to freely enjoy it. But you have to catch them on the specifics. So we need to to make sure that we read that book. We need to read our statutes, read our law, read our procedures. It's not that hard. The more you read, the easier it gets. It's going to be hard at first because you've been trained not to do it. And you don't have to memorize it all. It's amazing how it will come back to you. And get something you can highlight. I mean, Tony loves it. When I sit there and hand him my book, he goes, oh, it's all highlighted for me. Thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, well, that's half the work. 
But again, I'm only highlighted what I think is worthy. What, what, what if he finds something I didn't see? And that happens all the time. That's why you really want a team of people. Let's both read the same thing and let's do our own highlighting and see if we come up with the same stuff. That's why having a partner on that stuff is so much fun. You sit down and read the same thing and find different stuff. It's really cool. Like I noticed that the that the the prosecuting attorney that was speaking was the one that gave me the mean, nasty eyes. I didn't even catch the existence of some other woman. Tony completely caught it and said, Oh yeah, she was looking at you and I like I I never even saw her. So what's the old thing that we had in in, in, in when you went to when you went to a camp, the buddy system—you never walk in the woods alone. A little red riding hood, you sure are looking good. Yum 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 yum. That's how they're looking at us. What did you say? Ah, woo! Yes, I heard you. You want to do little red riding hood? What? You gonna do little red riding hood? Ah, woo! Ah, there you go. There you go. Thank you. So we need to go into the woods prepared. And as we're learning to be stealthy, don't go out there dressed like little red riding hood, all nice and red, so you can be seen from five miles away. Remember the red coats? You take a lesson from the red coats. Well, how do you know it's a red coat? Oh, he's wearing a red coat. <laughs> Dummy, right? Yeah, that's what I said too. That's how they won. That's how they won the Revolutionary War. They weren't wearing these bright colors. They did guerrilla warfare. What did we read? Guerrilla, guerrilla uh, discovery. Remember, we went through all that. The guerrilla discovery. Now, the guerrilla there is slightly different, but yeah, it's, it's, it's guerrilla warfare. Oh, so you're the lender on my on my loan, are you? Could you please send me? Uh, uh, an, an estimated payoff amount as of, uh, you know, as of, ju- you know, July 16th, uh, 2015th or whatever it is, along with any accounting that you have. All polite, all pleasant, nice and subtle-like. Okay, nothing out of the ordinary. You do not want anything to stick out of the ordinary. And you'll get all the information that you want, which you'll be able to use and present it properly. What? Anybody got anything? I don't see anyone typing or jumping in. Anyone got any other conversations, any questions that you might have? Now's the time. Hey, Colin. Yes. This is Ed in in Dallas. Hey, Ed in Dallas. How are you doing? Pretty good. You all right? You know, I'm feeling real good, brother. I'm just, just. I'm, <laughs> uh, what I wanted to tell you, what I wanted to tell you is, all of this stuff is working off of public policy, and and the and the and this is one of the secrets that came out of the um, Jekyll Island meeting with the bankers and FDR is that they told FDR that, you know, after they secured control, and they did make the people of this country debtors in 1933, okay? We know that. However, however, the the, the contract which was let in, in 1933 is over now. It's been over for a long time because it's been 
80 years, over 80 years now since that contract was let, and all the people that contracted then are all mostly dead. So the contract's up, and but but the, the key to it is is that they understand that once they get a thing going, that the people will continue to want it to keep going. And so that's what creates public policy in their favor. And this was one of the secrets from the Jekyll Island, Georgia um, meeting, is that they knew that tradition would come into play and the people would continue to want this the same system, even though it's over with now, it's completely over with, uh, they would continue to want it. And so they set up public policy issues to, to cover that. Yeah. I'm going to I, in a minute. Anyway, they they uh, they let public policy uh, take over. So that being the case, we have to argue first of all with all of this stuff. I don't care if it's if it's mortgages or whatever it is, you know, that they're coming at us for. Uh, they're assuming we're debtors because of the contract or because of the public policy, and so we have to argue that and get rid of that part of it first. And then, and only then, does that place us back into the chair of being the creditor again, see? That's where the so key about, to the whole about, thing is. How about a strategy that does this? How about a strategy that kills, that uses uh, the fact that it's public, that the state, in fact, that's part of what a 14-1983 that we've been talking about, is in a 14-1983 mm-hmm. Deprivation of rights suits. That's exactly what you want to do. Is evidence the fact that it is a public policy of the state to do this activity, which deprives you of a right guaranteed by the Constitution. You see how that works? It's beautiful. It's a disadvantage. You don't need to argue it. In fact, it's just the opposite. You don't want to argue. What you want to do is evidence the fact that it has become or is the public policy of the state to engage in an activity that deprives you of a right guaranteed by the Constitution. Yeah, well, but the thing about it is, so what I'm saying is, as long as the people continue to accept what has been going on all ever since 1933, as long as they continue to accept it, right, and they are, look across the board, almost everybody is involved with Social Security, and they're involved with the Farm Bureau, and they're involved with all these agencies that were part of that original contract, as long as the people set public policy, the, the only thing that you can do is to come back and say, hey, wait a minute, public policy uh, was set by the original contract, okay, right? And so since the contract is now dead and has been dead for years, right, then it has no effect upon me. You've got to argue that public policy issue. Uh, first of all, you argue that the contract's dead, you know, and has been dead, and then you argue that public policy can cannot affect you in any way to put you in the debtor's chair. That's the key to it: is stop putting me in the debtor's chair, see? Because that's what they're doing. And remember, that's exactly what happened in 1933: is they swapped roles where the government now was the creditor, and the, and the people were the debtors because of the banks coming in and fixing the financial situation of this country, see? That's what right, happened. But, but once again, once again, I, I don't mean to be rude here. I understand mm-hmm. your perspective, and I used to, you know, talk like that. But if yeah. I may uh, present uh-huh. to you something that's more practical, 
And that is instead of arguing all that, what has that got to do with me? There's no point arguing something that has nothing to do with me in the first place. It doesn't get you where you want to go. What does get you where you want to go is to show that they're engaged in an activity which evidences that it is a public that it is a policy of the state, not public policy, but a policy of the state to engage in this activity of stealing property that they don't have, that they don't have the citizens for, and that they yeah, have no yeah. business taxing in the first place. And that means that they're engaged in criminal acts, and I'm suing you for $6.5 million. Now, doesn't that sound like a little right. bit smarter than arguing whether something exists or doesn't exist or what happened in 1933? Yeah, yeah. with the, with the mortgage thing, you're right, because the, because the banks don't have any right. I mean, they never got any right in the property at all. Period. In the in the first place, now you know the mortgage company was the one that actually was set up, and, the, and what has the bank got to do with it? The bank ain't got anything to do with it. Right. And well, let so, me ask you a quick uh, question: Who has interest in the property? Actually, the only people that do is is the buyer and the seller. There you go. Even after That's the mortgage, the and even after the deed of trust, who has interest in the property? The buyer. The only the one, the one who grants, the grantor is the only one who has interest in the property until such time as all certain hoops are, are done and not until the very day that the property is sold does anyone else have interest in the property if it's done properly. Right, and right. this is the well, issue. Actually, the actually issue the is that there is... Say again? I said, the, actually, the truth of the matter is is that whenever the contract is signed by both the buyer and the seller... The the interest leaves the buy, the seller and goes to the buyer automatically. That's correct. But remember yeah. that the buyer went and put the the equity of the property into a trust known as the deed of trust. But yeah. I'm going to ask the question, even though it's in a trust, who has interest in the property? Even the equitable interest, the only one that can have equitable interest in it would be the lender who loaned money. And since we don't have anyone who loaned money, that's what the whole issue was about. That's why I go back to the very beginning. Then nobody has interest in the property. And even the lender has no interest in the property until such time as the lender at his choice has done all of these things that are in the deed of trust first, and they have taken, uh, and at the, well, in this case, it does. they have taken the note by transfer and are entitled to payments under the note, which they never do. Not even the lender does that. The lender right. never takes the note by transfer, okay? And they never take it because they're not entitled to take it, and they're not entitled to payments under the note because they, didn't, they don't have any reason. So all no, of that, that is but they don't hold, they not don't even there. The and deed. if you look at the deed of trust, again, this is why I go back to what's more a foundational principle, which is contract law. Under right. the Constitution, Article 10, no state shall make any law respecting the obligation to contract. Well, you have to read the contract. That is the law. Right. They're, enforcing, they're enforcing some other contract that doesn't exist. If you go look in your deed of trust, it clearly states that it exists only to secure the debt evidenced by the note, not the note itself. Mm-hmm. So if they don't, what does that yeah. mean? The debt evidenced by the note. So that means that the debt, that the note must, first of all, exist, and then the note must evidence a debt. The note does not evidence a debt, except the debt that they owe you for the note that you gave them a full face value, which they've made copies of and sold all over the place. 
as I said in court one time to a judge, I said, where does it say on this? It said, this is a true and accurate copy. Yes. So I said, okay, fine. Just before I knew anything, it was so simple. I said, well, show me on this note where it says rejected for lack of funds. Nowhere on this note does it say rejected anywhere. So why are you coming right. to me? Nowhere on here does it say insufficient funds are rejected. So what's the problem? You've been using the note as a credit instrument. It's that simple. They're using well, another, the note as a credit problem, instrument. Another problem that comes into view, though, here's, here's something that we need to pay attention to, too. I was reading a, an article about equity courts. And, of course, all these courts that, that we uh, go into today are, are really nothing but equity courts. There's no law Correct. courts at all. And that's not hidden. No. That's not hidden. No, that's not hidden from anywhere. It's, it's, the, it's the way it's designed. It's the way it's, it's, it's come up. It's, it's, a, it's a, actually a good thing when you learn how to use it. That's well, it's good, it's good, except except that the courts are not functioning at law, though. See, this is where the, another problem is, is that you cannot get, for example, if you go and, and, and claim a piece of property, uh, a lodial, or, or in, if you claim, claim that you, you hold the fee in the land, right, or the property, mm -hmm. if you claim that, who are you going to get to recognize it? Because uh, what I was reading was that an equity court does, cannot recognize rights, and it cannot recognize anything real. See, nothing true. No. It can't recognize that. that. That was that right from? out of a, that was right out of a treatise from a guy that is recognized as being the one who wrote the best treatise on equity. Well, I don't really and, give a crap and, about that, about that. What I want to see is case law. Well, okay, I want well, to see where superior well, court law. said. I want to see where a superior court said we are not looking at anybody's rights or anything like that. We're not looking at the law. We don't have to. I don't see it. I don't find it. What they're looking at, what they're looking at is not, not ownership. They're looking at interest in the land. And when you look at interest, that, that, that automatically makes you understand, when you're talking about interest, it automatically makes you understand that if there's an interest, then that means that there's more than one person that has it has a claim in that same property. See, uh -huh. like a partnership, for example. So look, you know, look oh. up, look up interest, and you'll see what so I'm saying. I, I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago that mm -hmm. um, I did discover that in fact, almost all of your courts are considered to be equ equitable in nature, unless yes. this is why we go to the statute see this is the other thing is that you can you know we, we reverse engineered this thing and that's why i said if you keep going after them in the equity side of it um then you need to know the how to do that and if you don't which i didn't for a long time and and was unsuccessful i didn't it's not that i didn't know it's that they weren't considering my equity to be equitable so that's when I broke it down, and I said, oh, wait a minute. When I looked and studied equity courts, checkers court, and so on, it was because the statutes and laws were insufficient to provide the relief uh, under the law. And that's why they came up with equity courts was supposed to be the king's conscience. Now, that's what its origination, but it's been converted yes, yes. now or changed and altered in such a way that the courts look at it like, well, what's supposed to be fair? And, of course, they make the determination of what's fair and what's not. What we've done right. is we've gone back to the statutes and law. This is the beauty about this strategy. Because most people don't know the law, 
and they don't know how to present it properly. The common law, which is not written down anywhere necessarily, although technically speaking, statutes are nothing but enacted common law. Okay, it's it's all been put together properly if people will use it properly. But people don't understand this. So the statutes is what we stand upon. We say, hey, this says that you can't do this. This says you can only do that. This it is clear. It is unambiguous, and I can stand on it, and you have to abide by it. And that's how I won my case in the Supreme Court in Oklahoma. I quit dicking around with all the equity claims and all that other nonsense, and I went straight to one statute that said a suspended corporation cannot conduct business. It's considered a crime. So this court, mm-hmm. by allowing the, 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 this suspended corporation to even come into the court, is violating the law. And that it was the key. You want to show how they are violating the written statutes of law, which they are governed by, and they cannot argue it. And Roosevelt doesn't mean one iota, and nobody gives a rat's ass what happened in 1933 or any other time. The only thing that matters is the statute says they can't do this, and here's the evidence that they're doing, and they don't deny it. End of story. Where's my $6 million? Thank you very much. <laughs> That's the game, well, my friend. It, now, one of the one of the problems, though, with the statutes today, is that we don't we don't have Congress following the Constitution to create the statutes. Did you know that? Well, well, you know what? You can argue all that all you want, but what I can do is show you enough statutes and enough case law that you can win your case. Okay, you're talking problems. Yeah, on, on the talking issue that you're arguing, here. I would say so. Yes. Yeah, on that issue, on that issue, there's probably plenty to 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 win your case if you're talking about mortgages and and loans and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, you could probably win on anything, but other things, it is going to matter greatly, especially on the criminal law side, and on some of the civil law side too. You know, it's going to matter. So uh, let me let me let me tell you something that I found out. I looked in a in an encyclopedia. You need to go do this. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let me, yeah, go ahead. Let me interject something real quick because I didn't finish what I yeah, wanted to talk ahead. about, the equity stuff real quick. On the mm-hmm. equity stuff, if you're going to do the equity stuff, and this is like a little secret that people were missing, and some of the people that have been studying equity for years and years and years, and when I mentioned this to them, they just freaked out. They were like, oh, my God, that's the missing link, the missing key, the everything I've been looking for. And it's so simple, it's not even funny, and I wasn't going to let it out of the bag, but I really don't care because a win for any of us, a win for all of us. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to be looking at things from an equitable standpoint, you will notice that none of the people provide anything other than the documentation that the other side provides. Without providing any documentation showing that you have a greater equitable value, guess what? They're only looking at the claim of the other party. And because the presumption is that the claimant is telling the truth, then they win. Now, if people are smart enough to say, okay, you're claiming I owe 300000 but I am showing and revealing evidence here that you owe me three million. So equity court says three million minus three hundred thousand leaves two hundred and seventy thousand dollars, which is owed to me. And that's how you do equity. It's just a rough idea. If you don't do it that way, you're going to lose an equity court. Does this make sense to you? Yeah, equity equity is okay for some things. But it's not good for everything. I just want people to understand the principles of how equity works, that they're not using the equity uh, concept in the right manner. They never bring in their claim, which is superior to the other one. For instance, how much is a right? See, if you wanted to go to equity court on a right, you could do it, but you would have to make sure you lay down your foundation, you properly put it out, 
and you show that what is owed to you is $6 million because they have violated your right. I'm not saying whether I owe them the $300,000. I will give them the $300,000. I will admit and say, fine, I owe you $300,000. But I'm showing the court, the equity court, that you owe me $6 million because it, you have deprived me of this right, this right, this right. And according to other court cases, uh, one guy was in jail for all of 20 minutes, and he got something like, you know, it was $1,000 a minute. So we have case law on this. I can now show that you owe me this much money because I already have case law. Here's, here's everything that's required. So deduct 300000 from the $6 million you owe me, and the equity court would give you a proper judgment. Now, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I understand. Uh, In other words, you do not want to defend an equitable claim. What you want to do is show that you have a superior claim or a greater claim. That's how you yes, win an equity yes. court. Always, always it's that way. Well, most people don't. Whether it's that law or in a bitch of the moment. Right, right. Either way, in equity or law, you want you have to do that. Right. Go ahead. What were you saying? I just wanted to... What I was going to say is this is something that everybody needs to go do. I, I, I uh, accidentally was looking up the word resolution, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and I accidentally found an encyclopedia called West Encyclopedia. If you've ever looked at that encyclopedia, it's a very good encyclopedia. You can download it from the Internet. Where? Uh, but from the Internet, you can actually get in, uh, West Encyc- the whole en- encyclopedia from the Internet. You can, you can download it. Every, you every have link? Can you, can, you put it in the, can you put it on the board? Yeah, let me, let me, I'm, not, I'm not in there yet, but let, let me go in there and I'll, I'll do that. But let me explain to you what I found. All right. Uh, I was looking at the word resolution in there, yeah. okay? Yeah. And it almost blew me away when I read what I read in that encyclopedia. But it said that a resolution by a governing body of a, a legislature or a Congress uh, is not that it does is not law. It's merely an opinion of the legislative body, and they say that that the reason that um, it's not law is because in in a, in most cases a resolution can't. I mean, you can't pass two laws that are that oppose one another, or you can't pass two laws that say the same thing, right? Because they they it's a conflict, okay? And so they so they don't. What they do is they pass resolutions, which uh, is an opinion of the just an opinion of the of the making body, right? As a matter of fact, it goes so far to say that resolutions are not law. They are not enforceable. Mm-hmm. They are. They are. The power of them is like the editorial page of a newspaper. Yep. That's what it says. Yep. I know that. It's okay. Well, so that's why what, the people that were claiming HJR one ninety two was completely. It may, meant nothing because it's just like a New Year's resolution. It was a resolution, but they, if they don't follow through with it and get it into properly enacted statute, law, and code then it means nothing. It's just a resolution. But you will generally yeah. find, and you can find, H- well, you can find HCR 192, what is it, uh, 74, is that 74? God, I've forgotten it already. I can't believe it. 48, stat 48, I think is what it is. Yeah. So you can find the exact same wording in in, uh, in, in 48, stat 48. That's where, it, I believe that's what it is. 
Um, somebody correct me if they know, please. Um, it's been a while since I did all that stuff. But what I can tell you is that 18 U.S.C. 241 clearly states that no, that if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person, any state, territory, commonwealth, uh, possession, or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to them by the Constitution and laws of the United States shall serve up to no more than 10 years. So that's pretty, and, 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 and fined or both. So that's pretty heavy-duty stuff right there. See, that, that's standing. Now, some people are arguing and saying that, um, that certain sections of a, a, um, USC, 18 USC, uh, are, were not properly enacted. And at first it looked like they were talking about all of 18, but no, it turns out it was only certain sections of it were not properly enacted, so, uh, which is the ones that they're using to convict people on. So that people can do that. They can, they can, you know, argue that, but that's a more difficult argument is to argue the law when it makes more sense to argue for the law and use the law to your advantage, which is to show that they're engaged in a criminal act. They're engaged in threatening, intimidating, and injuring you, or conversion of property, or counterfeiting evidence, and, or, uh, uh, you know, improper due process. Like I said, when I do the, when you do the property taxes, you're sitting there going, where's the, where's the citus? Where's the court case? Where's the land records indicating the transfer of property from the previous owner, which happens to be me, to the state? And on and on and on. Where They need to show those things. They have to. They're required to. And then I can show the statutes and law. That's where we're at right now. Does this make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Use the laws to our advantage. That's what they're there. There's the link. There's the link on the on the chat window for oh, West Publishing West Encyclopedia. If you want to go over and download it, and you'll have to go at least download the the volume with R in it anyway. I'm going to get resolutions. Get this update. Oh, okay, my. For some reason, I have to keep updating my my link. Uh huh. I still don't see. You just type okay, it and you, put it up on the board. Yeah, but you, if you update it, you'll you'll probably miss it. Let me do it again, see if it'll come up the second time. It may or may not. Sometimes it does, sometimes it don't. No, it didn't come up again. I don't know why it didn't. I can't. I, for some reason, I can't. I can put it these things up one time, but the next time I can't put it up anymore. I don't know why right, that right, is. Do me, do me a favor and just tell it to me, and I'll dictate it to me, and I'll type it in. Okay. Well, it's quite long. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, what's the general website? Long. Uh, it's, uh, or the search, uh, it's uh, HTTP, you know, slash, slash, IT dot B-O-O-K-Z-A dot org. Book's up. B-A or B-A? Oh, there it is. There it is. Somebody there else put go. it up for you. Excellent. There it is. Thank you, guest too. Yeah, I appreciate it. Because I couldn't get it to come up again. Yeah. Well, I, now I got it. I think my, my, something was wrong with my signal. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's what you know. That you know that just so you know, I've known that for a long time. That pilot, that 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 that. Excuse me. That um, what was I just said? That the a, a resolution, me you know, has no. In fact, if you look at articles of the, of the Constitution, <clears throat> which is <clears throat> excuse me, um, that if it doesn't say that the Congress has the power to enact legislation and law to enforce it they don't have the enacting clause which is important um yeah but, that, that, that's why no i believe today none of them do today 
Well, what I want, that's why I'm telling people to solve a lot of these problems. A very simple solution, and I maybe you're the man to do it because nobody else has picked up the banner and done this, but it makes a whole lot of sense. I'd be glad to talk to you. You can call me now at 918-214-3706. I'll type it in there. Uh, 918-214-3706. Now my phone's back on again, thanks to the people who donated. Uh, call me anytime because I want to. I want Apparently, people want me to hand it to them on a silver platter to put the legislation together, um, which which people could use in their local areas, which simply says that all public servants are required to be periodically tested as to their knowledge and understanding and accurate use of the unanimous Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and any laws that that their office uh, relies upon for their for their activities. Now, this is only reasonable. I haven't had any resistance, even from public servants, so long as the public servants, the only thing that they were hoping for or wanted was that uh, the state would provide the training, okay, so that they could pass these tests. But that would be the enacting, that would be the enacting clause or uh, something that would actually put it into action because we already know in Article 6, uh, the senators and representatives before mentioned, as well as the members of the several state legislature and all executive and judicial officers, both the United States and the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. Well, they're, they're, they make the oath. It's required for them to make the oath to hold the position, but there's nothing testing them out as to see whether they have fulfilled their obligation, and that's what we need. So I would say that's huge, and I would, I would submit to you, sir, and to the rest of the world, that by doing this, we will, we will virtually overnight eliminate the problem because we will no longer have to go after the public servants because it will be a matter of public policy. It will be a matter of enacted law that they're required to be simply tested. And if, they're not, if they don't pass the test, they're out of office. Now, how simple can you be? No court cases, no suing, nobody going crazy, no one pulling out their hair. Why is it that the people, you know, again, going along with the American laziness, the people – don't want to pick up the banner, they don't want to study the law, they don't want to do all the things that we're doing, and they have the right not to and still not have the rights denied as a result. So what else can we do? Well, they can certainly vote to be lazy, which is to cause the system itself to check and make sure that they do know at least what the law says, word for word, and the foundation principles which they are laid upon, then at least they can have a conscience again. Right now, they don't have a conscience because a conscience requires a choice. They do not know any better. That is the reason why 90% of them are doing what they're doing. They're going along to get along because they do not have sufficiency to stand upon the law because they don't know it. They're not going to go against their boss because they don't know what to say to their boss. But when I ask them, isn't it true that you're also equally obligated and duty-bound to disobey an unlawful order? Oops. Now they start getting the message. But to eliminate the fact that I'm going to have to run around and sue 5 million public servants who have engaged in fraudulent conduct by not knowing their oath of office and still maintaining the office, which requires them to know it, I don't have the time to do that. But if everybody gets together and goes and just simply votes, which they're going to do anyway, and institute laws that requires them to be periodically tested, that problem will go away. And I believe it will change things drastically because only those people who want to keep their jobs and want to hold that position are going to be required to know it and understand it and memorize it. And once they know it, they understand it, they're no longer going to be doing what they're doing. 
and they will have something to stand upon. As of right now, they have nothing to stand upon. See what else other people say. Uh, when resolutions are mere expressions of opinion, they differ fundamentally from laws. Uh, no argument. In essence, laws are intended to permanently direct and control matters applying to persons or issues in general. Correct? Persons, not the average everyday man, though. Okay? You do not regulate the man. The man is only bound by not infringing on somebody else's right, trespassing on anyone else's right. That's it. L versus and that's why they say in general. That's why they say in general because it doesn't it doesn't apply to everyone. Uh, I agree, but if the, the yeah. wording is correct, persons person has to do. Remember, person usually generally has to do with a persona, which has to do with a mask. A living man may be behind the mask, but is he is presenting himself as the persona or the mask? the actor on the stage, and which we just mentioned earlier at the show, that any time, it doesn't matter if you're the king of Sheba or whatever it is, the queen of Sheba, the king of, of, of any other country, if you're the, you're the grand poobah, you're everything, when you take an office of public service, you, you relinquish all that, okay? You no longer have any of those powers. You no longer have any of those things. In fact, technically, you don't even have any of the powers that the rest of us have because you took an office, and that office is, this office that is subservient if you don't now, the the choice is you don't have to hold the office. Nobody's nobody's forcing you to hold the office. It's not involuntary servitude, and you're getting you're getting paid for it. So it's an agreement. So you you only get the the person who's in office only has the power that's been delegated to them, and they can only use those powers for the purposes specified, which is what to secure our rights, to make sure that we're happy, and that we're safe, and that that uh, um. Um, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, to secure our rights to make us happy and safe. It's that simple. So if they're engaged, it doesn't matter what activity they're engaged in. And that's the 14th backs it up. Nor shall any state, uh, no state shall make or enforce any law that abridges the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Very simple. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor shall any state deprive any person of the equal protections of the law. Clearly indicating the laws are here to protect us. Hale versus Hinkle. He owes no duty to the state since he receives nothing therefrom except the protections of his life and property. Clearly showing that the state has an obligation without the man having any obligation to the state. Well, the problem with all that is is that there's a presumption that everyone's still a debtor. And that's where the problem comes in. I don't agree with that at all. I don't see anywhere uh, well, that's any where the public where in. anyone is presumed to be the debtor. No, but that's that's what I'm saying. They're not. In, in truth and in fact, there are no debtors anymore because the, the contract's over with. But what I'm saying is they're assuming, or presuming, I should say presuming, that, they're, that we are still... Um, Debtors, because the people still, the public policy uh, still says I'm gonna, they I'm want gonna, this I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to be rude here. I'm sorry to be rude here, and I studied all that stuff. All of that mm-hmm. is sold off. Listen to me, brother. Listen to me. I've been there. done it. I spent three years of my life in-depth studying 18 to 20 hours a day. All of that stuff. It turns out to be guru. In fact, most of it turns out to be uh, 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 controlled opposition. Do you know what controlled opposition is? That's where yes, they absolutely. All right, controlled opposition is where they give you something, a banner to fight, whether it's the 13th Amendment banner 
or whether it's or whether it's uh, uh, Roosevelt or whether it's Lincoln, all of, or presumptions uh, that you presume presume all of that is controlled opposition and is nothing but a distraction from the truth. That is nowhere in any documents that I've ever found where any prosecutor says, "Your Honor, throw him in jail because he is a debtor." He is presumed to be a debtor. I don't find that anywhere. Now, it may be true that they presume, well, they don't presume you to be a debtor. They presume you to be an idiot. And most people are idiots because these criminals know that they can get over on you. That's the presumption. You want a, you want a true presumption? The presumption is that you don't know enough of the law to defend yourself. Yeah, and they're that, right. But, but the justif- I'm talking about their justification. They don't justification. need justification. They don't, criminals don't need justification. Well, in this case, these people do. Why are you giving do. them justification when there is none, sir? Why are you giving it to I'm not, them? No, I'm not giving them any. I'm saying, I'm saying so why not, they repeating, don't have why justification. Are why are you repeating the stuff that essentially turns out to be lies? Well, what I'm There's saying no is that is, the, that is the, the flimsy thread they hang on to is what I'm saying, Colin. No, sir. You cannot show me. You cannot show me any document that has ever been filed by any government agency that says that they presume you to be a debtor and therefore you are you're screwed. We can deprive well, you of the right to tell you're you debtor. that. Come on, they're not going to tell you that, Colin. I mean, come now, on. Then, they're then not going to tell you that. No need, listen to what I'm saying. I'm telling you wisdom, brother. Then you have no need to rebut that presumption of their presumption, do you? The court cases say, the Supreme Court cases say, that if a person avails himself of a privilege, and these are privileges, when they avail themselves of the privilege, they owe a return on the privilege. And that's what they, that's what? Where we're they owe a return on the privilege? Yes. No, yes. sir. That's not what, well, I can show you case law that says just the opposite. Well, the Supreme Court cases say if you, if you gain a benefit, you owe a return. That's where the IRS gets involved okay. on you. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Let's let's look, let's look at this. See, I, I can almost guarantee you that you're misreading it, okay? I almost guarantee you, just like statutes and laws, because I'll tell you why. I can make my dog the beneficiary of a trust. If I'm a multimillionaire, I can make my dog a beneficiary of the trust. Now, as a beneficiary of the trust, that dog is going to benefit. What duty does that dog have other than to benefit? That's the only duty that you owe. And you yeah. don't even have and to fulfill that. You don't even have to benefit if you don't want to. You can reject it. But there's another part to that, too, that's a good part. Let me show you the good part. The good part is if if I go and, and, and gain a benefit voluntarily, now this is important. When you go and gain a benefit voluntarily, like, for example, let's say you go out and you uh, go and get a HUD house, for example, you don't have to do that. The law doesn't say you have to go do that. So that's a voluntary thing. However, Social Security, driver's licenses, and the like are not voluntary. They're, in for, they're mandatory. So whenever they impress something upon you mandatory like that, then you didn't voluntarily come in and gain a benefit, did you? See that? That's where I argue. Well, See, I, I argue that very Yeah, you're mixing apples and oranges again. If you're applying for a driver's license, then you are applying to do an activity which requires a license, which means you're engaged in a for-profit activity, and you receive certain protections 
that other people don't have. As I've said before, the easiest way to look at this is the LLC, limited liability. 99.9% yes, of licenses yes. is to limit your liability. Right. That's correct. And that's commercial tra- yeah. for-profit thing. And that is what the tax code is for, is for those, because you need to pay the people to allow you to conduct an, an enterprise where you have limited liability. As a private businessman, I have full liability. Okay? As a corporation, the corporation can fold up and die and nobody and nobody loses their houses over it or anything else. You see, so they're receiving a protection to get from the state that they wouldn't have otherwise and they're gonna damn well pay a tax on it. So yes, the first yes. thing you Okay, so hold on. That is not a benefit. That is a contract that you are contracting and paying for. A beneficiary who receives a benefit, like for instance, uh, you know, you take the Pell Grant. If you can show it, I always try to tell kids this, that all you need to do is stop living under your mom and dad's roof for one year, su- support yourself, and you're entitled to the Pell Grant for thousands of dollars. It is a grant, <clears throat> okay, and it is not obligation. Now, a student loan, If let's forget the fact that there's no loan for a second. Let's say there really was a loan. That is something that is an exchange out there that you need to, that you have an obligation to. A, if somebody who's a beneficiary has no obligations, look it up. A beneficiary cannot be obligated. It, it's a contradiction to the whole concept in the first place. Okay? It has no obligation. It can't be any obligation. Now, if you're receiving a benefit because of something, you don't have an obligation. If you're not the beneficiary and you're receiving it unauthorized benefit, well, then obviously then you're engaging in some kind of misbehavior. So for them to sit there and say, oh, well, you're receiving a benefit from the state, and therefore you have an obligation, I'm going, no, the state is owes its existence to benefit me. Hello? This is the key. Well, they do, they, do, they do under the law, Colin. I agree with you. They do under the law, but not under the contract. They don't. They don't owe you nothing. Because today, it's a free-for-all. Since the contract's not working and the law's not working, then that means that they can do whatever they want, right? No, no. The only reason that they're doing it is because the managers, namely the people, keep on looking at this at this crazy stuff instead of in, implementing the law itself and doing it right and holding them accountable. That's what we've discovered. I've just, you know, this is what I finally came to the discovery. That's why I use the term uh, truth monger six. That means I'm seeking the truth, even though it was difficult for me to recognize and realize because I hated statutes. I hated codes because those were the same things that they were using against me. And there's too many of them, and how can you possibly memorize them? They're not properly enacted. You know, it really gives me the, the, a true concept of what a blithering idiot is, okay? And I don't mean it mm-hmm. in a nasty way towards you. I'm, I was a blithering idiot. I'm calling myself the first blithering idiot. And I spouted all that garbage. But the one thing that kept me going, through all the stuff when it didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, it didn't work, okay, and got me in deeper, deeper, deeper water, was I kept looking for the truth, and I began to find that the truth was in the law itself. When you read the law, you will begin to see how ridiculous some of the stuff that they present to us sounds. It's covered 50 different ways but loose. They cannot do because it clearly states that they can't do it, or there's case law that shows in this particular instance that that does not apply to you. I didn't even, I'd never ever heard of the term non-taxpayer. Have you ever heard of it? 
And when I heard when, when uh, the first, yeah, somebody right, said non taxpayer, I thought it meant somebody who doesn't refuse or somebody who refuses to pay their taxes. Guess what? Hmm. I found in court cases when I was looking up, I had no no clue that there was such a term as a term, a legal term as a non taxpayer. But the courts used it and they called a non taxpayer is not accountable to the tax code because he's not a taxpayer. And he has yeah. the right to stand upon his constitutional rights and to bring an action at, in law. What is he? What are they saying? If you are not a t- so, the first thing I did is I went. Well, let me go look up the definition of taxpayer. Now that I know there's a term called non-taxpayer, and it's not not somebody who's a tax. tax that's why they want to label people tax protesters. Do not let them label you as a tax protester. I'm not a tax protester. I pay all taxes that are lawfully uh, that I'm lawfully obligated to pay, and you need to show me the taxes that I'm lawfully obligated to pay. For what and until you, you do, I am a non-taxpayer as as defined. So the definition of taxpayer is a person who, a person who, and a person who. So I go look up the word definition of person. A person is a partnership limited liability company corporation and shall include any municipal subdivision of the state. It doesn't say all y'all. It doesn't say every man. Now, go to 18 U.S.C. 241. What does it say? If two more persons aspire to injure or oppress any, any person, well, there you go. So they know how to use the word any. So why doesn't the tax code say any son of a bitch out there, any man, any woman that has anything whatsoever, anywhere, anytime, place, has to pay the taxes? It doesn't say that. The fact that it has a list of 50 names on the list and your name is on, not on, it means you were not invited. Again, the law states what? That which is not included is considered excluded. So if right. you are not there, the private man is not listed in the tax code, then I guess you're not a person as defined, which means you cannot be a taxpayer, which means you, none of the tax codes apply to you. You see how simple that is? Well, they really don't apply. Not today. They don't anyway. And that's what I'm saying. I've been they saying this all have, along. Unless you're engaged, unless you are a corporation. They did, apply, they did apply to somebody. They did apply to somebody, and it applied. No, it, they don't. It no, they don't, no, sir. They do not apply to, to any people. somebody. It they applied do not fully apply to, all to any somebody. They apply to some things. Well, originally it only applied to corporations to start with. It's you know, still that's originally. Apply, it still only applies to those entities engaged in some sort of for-profit permitted activity. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, the gain, gain. Right. So that's that's the some sort of a, That's what I'm saying. Listen to experience. What, what's worked? I said, where's the license? They go, what? Where's the license that I'm working under a for-profit? Where's my filing of tax returns that shows the amount of profit that I gain from the use of this property? And they for-profit activity. Where's the license? I went, the first thing I did is I go and I do my discovery. I go and I send a letter. First I called, and I gave him the exact uh, exact name that was being used on the tax, the tax claim, which was fraudulent mail. And I got a letter for $5 or $3. I got a certified mail from, <clears throat> it's called a letter of non-existence, which means that the Secretary of State's office, where all uh, 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 registrations, all titles, all licenses, uh, uh, your corporate charters and so on are required to be, and any name that is being used, that's another way. Just go there. 
the name, the all-caps name, and the exact way they have it does not exist. It's called a letter of non-existence. Well, if it doesn't exist, either I'm acting unlawfully or they're acting unlawfully. <clears throat> and so because if they're using a specific name as a persona or what's called the assumed name of a corporation, limited liability company, or trust, etc., it must be registered with the Secretary of State's office. And the fact that it says uh, a letter of non-existence means it's not registered with the Secretary of State's office. Now, that's what I mean when I ask the court, where is the court case where I was convicted, duly convicted, 13th, right? Where I was duly convicted of engaging in a, in a uh, for-profit activity on this property without a, without a required license. If you don't have that, then you haven't shown that I'm a taxpayer, which means you can't sh call, you can't then tax property unless you can show that I was either engaged in a crime or that I have a permit uh, under the assumed name one, and that there's tax returns showing the amount of profit which is to be taxed uh, on that use of that property. You see how simple this is? One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. It's that simple. And by the way, where is the sentence? Because it says clearly that you can only be taxed in accordance with the sentence. Now, do you know what a sentence is? Yeah, I do, but I have forgotten the de exact definition. All right, I'm going to give you the definition of a sentence. A sentence is, it, think of it this way. If you uh, are engaged in, in manufacturing of widgets, then the percentage of taxes will be 0.086%. If you're engaged in manufacturing in an area that is close to a residential, you're going to be charged 0.2%. Okay? If you're engaged in a manufacturing process uh, of, of electronic devices, you're going to be charged 1.6%. Each and every activity, and this is what finally got me to understand the whole concept. When you go through and you realize that the statutes clearly state they can only be taxed in accordance with a citizen, and when you go read page after page after page of citizens, and every single one of those citizens has to do with some corporate for-profit activity. There is not one single citizen says anyone engaged in screwing his wife, uh, playing with his dog, swimming in his pool with his kids, shall be taxed at such and such a rate. There isn't one. What they try to do is call it residential property. Residential property is property where an investor has, has grabbed all this property, they built houses on it, and they're going to sell the houses for people to live in. That's called residential property. Or if you have a whole bunch of properties that you're renting and leasing out for profit. Yeah, that's basically commercial type property. You're engaged in a for profit business activity. Yeah, it's commercial. Which is different from right. somebody who owns, and I believe there's a limit. It's like, it's like five or six different properties that you're, but you clearly, once again, have to be engaged in, 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 in a manner that is for profit. Okay, you see what I'm getting at? It's so simple once you get it. There is no citizen. If there is no citizen for you, you know, doing what you do with your wife in your private bedroom, playing with your dogs in the yard, your kids in the swimming pool, if there's no citizen that clearly describes that activity and the amount of profit you're making from that activity to be taxed, guess what? 
they're acting in a criminal manner because there is no sinus. There is no ability for them to tax it. Well, yeah, and I agree with you. You're right. But see, the thing with it is they've got a presumption that everybody is in a commercial venture, though. See, that's the problem. No, you, have to, you have to read no, it. No, 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 sir, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir. Yeah, they do, too. Yeah, they do. Well, I don't that's care how what they, they operate. Well, see, now you're trying to read their minds. If you go ask them, they don't know. First of all, so you making it... Well, they're not, gonna, they're not, not, not all of them are going to know that. They're, all they're doing is they're following there you go. So then you can't, you can't speak for them. They do not... They just do what they're... Listen to me. They only do what they've been told to do. They can't even have an argument with you. They it's a process. They do what they're, they're told to do. I had this... I had this... I had this... I had this uh, 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 what do you call it? Not, um, district attorney on his heels. To the point, it was so bad that he's standing there stomping his feet in court going, Your Honor, he's refused to pay the taxes. I thought the man was going to break down and cry. <laughs> he had no evidence, no nothing, and everything, every time he opened his mouth, I stuffed him with the law. Every single time I stuffed him. I said, well, show me in the land, right, at the bottom line, would you agree that you cannot sell that which you do not own? Oh, yes, we agree with that. Great. I just set him up, didn't I? I did that first, and I said, well, would you please show me where the state owns the property that they just allegedly sold? Uh, 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 uh. Nowhere to go. But without the setup, it might not have been so strong. We all know it's a maximum of law, but it's so much better when you get them to admit it. Can we agree, or do you admit? And that's why you have admission statements. You want to get admission. Admit or deny. You and your office are obligated to obey the laws and statutes such as they are written. Yes or no? Oh, yes, we are. Great. Is it true that statute so-and-so and such-and-such says that you can only tax in accordance with the citizens? Is this true or not true? How the hell are they going to deny it? Particularly when I attach a copy of it for their convenience. Now yep. I've got them nailed down. What part of statute 26241 is a citus, where's the citus that provides for any property that a man is using to have a private private affairs in his, in his own bedroom, to play with his kids in his backyard, and, and, and to walk his dogs? Where is the citus? It's not there. Your Honor, he's refusing to pay the taxes. Oh, I'm not refusing to pay any taxes. The judge, the judge sits there at the... I sat there and laid all these laws out to him, and guess what he says, right? Mm-hmm. He sits here, and he, he, the judge sits there and says, well, I really appreciate your opinion. You know what I responded? I said, oh, no, sir, I haven't given you my opinion. I'd be glad to give it to you later. I've only read to you what the law says, which you are bound by. Is that correct? He just sat there and went, uh, uh, uh. Hold on a minute. Uh, how old? <laughs> Yeah, uh, my friend says you really need to get American jurisprudence disc, dude. You really, really do. Once you read American jurisprudence, you're going to find case law after case law after case law that supports what I'm talking about, and you will not find I, – I, you know, you, you're just not going to find case law that's going to show where the state is authorized to tax any man on, on his private property that's not engaged in some sort of uh, activity that is clearly established in the citizen. It's that simple. And they have no authorization to take any property without due process of law. That's like mentioned five times in, in, in the Constitution itself. 
again, you want to go after them for engaging in the criminal acts. They don't have a citizen. They can't find the citizen. You've asked them to, to, to send you a copy of it. They don't have it. Five times you've asked them that they haven't sent it. They don't have it. Where is it? That which is excluded. That which is not included is considered to be excluded. Therefore, the fact that the average everyday man was not included clearly tells you that it was, in, it was purposely excluded. It was intentional. That's right. So nobody cares about what happened in 1933, what their assumptions and presumptions are, whether you're a debtor or not. I could be a debtor all day long. That doesn't well, matter. Well, I don't know. Well, well, I can owe a million dollars to a million other people. That doesn't mean I owe one dollar to you, does it? No, but that's where that's where their process comes from, though. That's what I'm talking oh, about. No, in other words, all their, the people in government. Well, let me back you up. It's not their process. It's our process. Well, See, you keep you keep thinking no, that, no, that it's, it's not our process. Uh -uh, it's not our process at all because yes, our process. Is. Is it's not, if it's not our process, process. Why, why did the people vote for it? Why did the people allow it to continue? So that's public policy for you, right there, because the people don't understand what's going on in there. That's but why people make pol But people make pol public policy. It clearly is states. That's why I won my case in, in Oklahoma, because we wrote down. It is considered public policy, and I wrote down the public policy. It's in writing. Public. Po that's why I actually won my case. The, the Supreme Court actually said that because it was public policy and not just a statute, that they had original jurisdiction. We called them on it. It is public policy. Nothing supersedes it. Public policy is what? that every state shall protect the rights of each person, the equal protections of the law, that they shall make no law impairing the, the privileges or immunities of, of the citizens of the United States. Nor shall any state deprive any personal life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Due process means showing the entitlement. The state cannot show any entitlement. The state is not entitled to anything from any man. The man, however, is entitled to things from the state. What did he say? Hale versus Hinkle, which has never been overturned. He owes no duty to the state because he receives nothing therefrom but the protections of his property and his life. So we have two issues here. First of all, they owe they have a duty to me. They are my creation. I created them to protect me. That's the principles upon which all of the statutes, codes, and laws are, are founded upon. And if you can show that there is a, a you, if you want, you can say, hey, there's a law or statute that's imposed that's, that, that's not, but most of the time when you argue that, you're going to lose because you're not reading it correctly. When you read the whole statute, the whole law, you'll find out, nope, it's not written incorrectly. And it was hard for me to get that, man. It was so hard for me to get to. It's taken me almost a year of some of these people pounding it into my head. Colin, it's not miswritten. Mis miswritten, it is misreading it. You are misreading it. It's not what's written there. It's what's not there that you want to look for. I was freaking out the other day looking up the, the, the term vessel and, and all that stuff, and I said, I cannot find it in there. And he goes, exactly. You're not looking at the statute of laws necessarily for what's written. You're looking for you're what's not there. You're looking for there. what's not there. I know. Yeah, that's that's important. So that's why you then say, show me. And if you can't show me, you're not authorized. I can do anything I want 
any way, anyhow, anywhere that I want with whomever I want so long as I do not trespass upon somebody else's rights. That is the only law that we live under. All, all those which are derived from the state, all creations of the state, they are subject to all the rules, regulations, statutes, public policies, and everything else, and that's why they're supposed to know it. But we're the managers. And if you don't know how to manage your employees because you don't even know what their job description is, how the hell can you sufficiently manage it? Just like teenagers, you know, they're sneaking, you know, if you don't know where they go to sneak to smoke, how are you going to catch them where they're smoking? If you keep letting your teenagers stay up at 3 o'clock in the morning and come home all drunk, and then five years later you, you're going to sit there and tell them, you know, when he's almost an adult, you say, all right, you have to stay at home now. You have to come home by, by 9 o'clock and go to bed by 11 o'clock. What do you think is going to happen? What are you talking about, Dad? I've been doing this for years. It's a matter of public policy. <laughs> That's the only problem. They always presume that they're right because everyone worships them. Oh, you're a public you're not a public servant. You're 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 That's right. where public policy comes from. It comes from ignorance. It doesn't. Public policy is written down. <laughs> public policy comes from the ignorance of the people. It always does. No, 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 no. no. See, matter of fact, matter of fact, there was one there was one jurist. Stop it. There was Just there stop, was one jurist. Stop. Stop. Public policy is written down. It is very clearly written. I just went through that. Public mm-hmm. policy does not come out of stupidity. Public policy comes about people looking, considering, and putting stuff together that makes sense in order to protect the rights of the people. In detail, That's not what I read. Not- That's not what I read. That's not what I read. I, you know, public policy, there was a guy that even spoke about what public policy is, and he said it's a, it's like a... a a wild horse that you get up on and you never know where it's where it's going to go. Public policy right. goes, it, it has no handle on it. There's no handle to it. That's why well, you, the law you know, you know something I'm that noticing way. that you keep bringing up problem after problem after problem, and I'm speaking solutions here. So obviously you like the problem, so you want to adhere to the no, problem? No, it's no, not, it's not that, Colin. It's not that. It's just I'm looking at it in the realistic way, the way that it really is because of everything that I've read and studied. I know well, that it has to do with, with the public policy. How, how many times have you brought an action where you were the plaintiff and that you had statutes and laws backing up your accusations, you had evidence which you properly exhibited, and you followed all of the procedures, and that, and that you lost after taking it all the way to federal court and bringing in a 1490, 14... Well, uh, I've, never, I've, never ta- I've never done a suit against government before. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't usually I sue government. I, I'm well, fixing to sue government now, but, but I've got a case right now. But I, but I, I don't usually do that, and I haven't done it in the past. Well, what I'm suggesting is that you do do that, and that you hold them accountable in the way you do. But you need to hold them accountable in accordance with the rules, regulations, and laws that are out there right now. And you want to use case law, back it up, and know. Listen to me. Know that the lower courts are in fact corrupted because they're corrupted in the sense that they don't know the law themselves and even if they did know it, some of them wouldn't even obey it, but most of them it's completely out of ignorance. So you're you're just laying your foundation so that you can show that it is a matter of the state policy to do this activity, which you can show is in contravention to a right that is protected by the Constitution, and when you do that, you'll win. 
Yeah, I agree. But don't expect to win in the state courts. Just not going to happen. Oh, you know, you know, you don't ever expect to win in anywhere in your state. You're going to have to take it on appeal. That's the only place. That's where you're going to win is on appeal. There you go. And I had to go all the way to the Supreme Court in Oklahoma twice. Yeah. And it wasn't until I reminded them that they were engaged in a criminal act themselves by granting an order to a party that had no business being there. <laughs> And that I was going to force them to do a declaratory judgment, and in that declaratory judgment, this court was going to have to say that it no longer is going to abide by the statute, which clearly says that a suspended corporation may not be entertained in any court in Oklahoma. Oops. Three days, the fastest turnaround I ever got. Every other time, it took 14 to 18 days to get the damn mail from them. It actually took five days to get here, but within three days, they turned around and had a different answer. Mm-hmm. It took them six months to figure out how to do a, a writ of mandamus and how to take original jurisdiction and how to turn this whole thing around. And even then, they still didn't do it right, and I'm still fighting over the particulars. But, yeah, you have to be willing to go, go all the way to the well, top. You know, you know what's going to stop all this? You know what's going to stop all this in its tracks, right? Well, what's going to stop all this is the things that I'm suggesting, which is for the American people to be... No, 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 I'm not talking about... Yeah, but see, yours won't stop it completely. It'll stop it for you, maybe, but it's not going to stop it for me or anybody else, you see. There you go. What, what What we have to do, what we have to do is we have to reestablish our lawful enforcement, and the only way to do that, it doesn't exist today. Okay, and the only way we can do that is to reestablish the law courts of the land in every county, and that's what I'm that's doing now. I'm suggesting that's why I'm suggesting after much analyzation in many years, and people not willing to do the work that we're willing to do to study and and bring action, and to slowly hold right. us accountable. What makes more sense is to get them so that they are required to at least know the law. I guarantee you, I will make you a bet that you get it established in your local county and the state that you're in, I guarantee that the criminality of these of these institutions will drop by a hundred well, fifty percent. Um, I was gonna say a hundred percent of two hundred percent, but anyway, fifty percent or better virtually overnight. The moment that these people are required as a remember, remember you look, the first thing you need to do is look at your quote unquote enemy. We find out that the enemy is is not such evil people. It's just ignorant people that have the same dumbed-down education that we have, the same brainwashing, the same crazy concepts. And it's my right. father did it, his father did it, and all that, and the presumptions and so on. And never read but it's any like, it's law. Like I've if it's said, part of their job description to read the law and get properly tested in order to keep their job, guess what they're going to do? They're going to read it. They're going to study it. They have to to keep their job. Right now, there's nothing on the fence. There's nothing at risk for them to continue doing what they're doing, is there? Not really. Not much. Well, then there you go. So that's a problem with the people not instituting laws to properly test them to make sure that they do at least know it so that that you 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 can say, hey, Ignorant, even though it says in the law, ignorance is no excuse, but the, everybody's ignorant, so everybody's allowing everybody to be ignorant. But once we establish law that says, oh, no, it's just a matter of policy, just like drug testing came into business, just like uh, it was a big stink when it was about no more smoking in public places. It was huge, but now 
Business is, oh, we're going to lose business. Guess what? Business increased. It didn't decrease. They found out there was a shitload of people that didn't want to go out to public restaurants and other places because they didn't like to smoke. And they found out there was more non-smokers than smokers. So the assumptions of people are, are usually wrong. It's the same thing. The people that know the law, the people that know the law, the people that the public servants that I've educated over, over the last few years, even with a small amount of education, it changes their lives. They're no longer the same people they were. And that's where that came from. That's where the inspiration came from. If I can teach a public servant that was wanted to pound my ass, and three weeks later is asking me where he could go to find the statutes and law, and calls me sir now and has a totally different demeanor, one of the people who was quote unquote uh, uh, became an adversary of mine on one of the on one of the Skype rooms. The other day I saw him write in there that he remembered in a, an emergency situation he remembered my questions and he only remembered two of them. He was at the airport and he was going to miss his plane because they were harassing him. He didn't know what to do. So he thought, well, let me try calling stuff. What the hell? Spirit moved. And he says, are you a public servant? The guy goes, yes. And he goes, do you have any evidence that I'm a public servant? He says, the guy's demeanor changed immediately. Yeah, I know. I've done that too. Use the stuff. I don't put the stuff out here because I haven't tested it. Remember, if I'm putting it out, I've tested it. And it works. It's worked 100% so far. And there's absolutely no excuse for people not to use the three questions that I put out there. None. I can understand, oh, well, maybe you don't want to study all the rules and procedures and codes and statutes and laws. Oh, my God, forgive I get an educated mind. Oh, my God, no, 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 I'm not an American. I want to stay an American. This is what the American people are at right now. Okay. I even made it easy for you. Three damn questions. And you can choose these three or these three. I won't even get to the 10 questions anymore, which I made easy. Just print the damn thing out, grab two people, go out there and ask 10 questions of any public service, and you can, you can uh, in, uh, uh, what's it called, indict them. I made it so easy. You know, how many people have used the 10 questions so far? Nobody. I've used it three times with public servants on radio, live, showed people how easy it was to do. Got the man, the public servant, on national, actually, it was it was actually uh, uh, actually it was uh, when when Mike Golden had it, he had gone to the other where he actually had you know not this not this talk show but real actual radio, okay, syndicated radio. Three times I did it to three different public services, got them to admit that they were committing fraud. Why is it that people haven't used it? I mean. Lead a horse to water. I mean, how many millions of people in this country and nobody's used them? The 10 questions and one guy uses an, an alleged adversary of mine ends up using two of the three questions and it works? There's something wrong with the American people when somebody, when I can show you how something is successful and you won't even use it. I mean, it just, it, it, you talk about insanity. That is insanity. I've told story after story. I said, one time this kid, I sat there and said, always be sure he who is asking is acting as king. And this 22-year-old punk kid, he goes out and he comes back the next day with a big huge smile on his face. What are you smiling about? He said, well, a cop pulled me over. And I go, yeah. And he goes, I remember what you told me. I said, what happened? The first thing the cop did, exactly what you said. He asked me a question, trying to get me to give up my crown now that he understood what that meant. 
I said, what'd you do? He says, I remember what to do. You said, answer a question with a question. I said, what'd you say? He said, I asked him, well, how fast were you going to catch me? I said, what happened? He said, he shook his head and walked away, got in his car and left. Now, you can analyze the hell of it. Well, you didn't contract with him. You could, well, whatever. Who gives a crap? It worked. Why do people keep going after this crap that doesn't work? When I started this stuff, nobody had anything that was working except those assholes out there that were constantly telling me I needed to read the statute law and proper procedures. Screw you. I'm not reading any law and statutes and proper procedures. Are you nuts? That's what got me into trouble. That's what they're using against me. How brilliant is that strategy? Let me misapply statutes and laws so the last place you'll look for your solutions is exactly in the place of statutes and law. It's a brilliant strategy. It took me three years of studying guru dumb shit to finally figure out, hey, you know what? It's all right. It all makes sense, but it doesn't freaking work. And I had to lose like five different properties before I said, you know what? This ain't working. Maybe I should listen to those assholes that are telling me I need to read the statutes and laws and codes and apply them properly. When I finally did that, guess what happened? I won a case. Oh, my God, what happened? You think I'm going back to stupid guru crap? Hell no. That's why I quit it. I quit doing all that guru stuff. Cause I had to do my own research to understand what's going on. I don't give a damn what they only, do. Only what, they don't, what I care is what the law says and what I can show, what I can prove, and what case law backs up. That's it. I'm going to exactly. win eventually. And I'm in yep. for the long haul. It's just paperwork. That's all it is. I'll resubmit the same stuff, cut and base, stick it in there, cut and base, stick it in there. The more right. I study, the more I read, and the more writing I do, the easier it becomes. I'm just telling you. It's not something to fear. You don't have – it's not – Oh, it seems overwhelming at first, but people, I'm telling you, it's like any other sport. It's like any other uh, – you know, any other song chords that you might learn. If you've never played the guitar before, you're learning to play a new instrument. It's going to be a struggle at first, <clears throat> but you might as well learn it the right way. You I know, one of the problems with people is they, they, they like, kind of like me when I first started doing all this stuff, I, I wasn't sure that I was smart enough to be able to figure this out, you know, because I figured, I figured if it took eight or ten years for an attorney to go to law to learn law, learn law then how in the hell am I going to figure it out never going to, to law school, you know? Well, that's so, why, that's why I, I'm suggesting to people that you use statutes because there is no ambiguity, there's no confusion. It is simple, it's plain, it's written, and they cannot argue with it. If you're presenting your own law, you're presenting your own theories, you need to be damn good at presenting it, and even then you may not win because they're going to go to the law. But if you learn the statutes, you learn the law, you learn the rules, you learn everything that they're supposed to do, then you get them. That's how I started off the show tonight, said I feel much more comfortable in court because I did the filing before I went into court. And then when I was in court, I got them to admit that they've gotten the filing. They got the judge to say, well, they have to have time to respond to it, which tells me then that they're required to respond to it. I got it on the court record that I had made the general request for discovery, even though, according to the statute of law, and I quoted it to them, which was 260, <laughs> 4-262 in Maryland, that they're required without request to give me discovery, which they have failed to do. And I made a phone call to them 
and he failed to get back to me, and now I put it in writing. So now I have it on the record that this man is coming, and I even stated that he's coming with unclean hands and not and acting uh, not in good faith. He never, nobody ever rebutted those statements. It's on the record now. You think I give a crap what the judge says or does? I don't care. I got it on the record. And I went and checked the, the audio. The audio is done very well here in Maryland. We, we don't have any tampering with it. I know some states you do, and I've been in, in Oklahoma, they, they won't even let me have a copy of it. Ridiculous. Which is a whole other suit that I don't, when, I, when I do all the stuff, I'm going to show an undue process and failure to, to, to protect the equal protections of the law. Every state, every county is different. Different ones have different things. And, that, and once you know the fundamentals, you'll be able to pick them out. But how am I supposed to know whether the guy is, is, using, is supposed to use a damp mop or a wet mop if I don't know anything about mopping a floor? You see, you need to know how to mop a floor before you can possibly hold somebody accountable to mopping the floor correctly. It's not that hard. Yes, it's, it, it is at first. It's like a new language. But let me tell you something. You want to keep Alzheimer's away? The way you keep Alzheimer's away is by learning something new, engaging your brain to create new uh, avenues for the transmitters and receptors. That's how you keep Alzheimer's away. So learning this is going to benefit you in every way possible, including your health. The more you read, the more you become accustomed to it, the more you become accustomed to it, the more you'll understand. The more you understand, the more uh, happy you'll be. The more it, it, and, and, and please, 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 People, be careful what you read. So I've had people mislead themselves down the lane, always have somebody else like myself or somebody else who's had some experience in reading it and read it again and say, no, that's not what it means. Because it takes time to be able to read the statutes and codes and, and understand what they're saying as well as what they are not saying. And I'm still working on this. Oh, my God, that's me. It says an individual. says I'm a human being right there. Oh, no. It's only because I know before that I looked up these words each and every time. When I first looked up the word vessel, I was like, oh, shit, I'm screwed. It says anything used for the transportation across water. And it was only because the word transportation had a bubble above it. And my cursor happened to, again, I believe in spirit, and there it was, my little miracle, happened to glide over the word transportation. And it gave a tiny definition of it. It means transporting people, or product across water for profit. Well, now it all makes sense, doesn't it? That's what you have to look for, not only what is there, but what is not there. And every word is a term. Every word is a term. And if it's not, and, and, and you're definitely the first place you should go which nobody ever goes, and they go, oh, well, under subsections 3-2-4-1, all persons, this and that, and the other thing. When you never go look up the word person, you think it applies to you. And then you go look up person, you do the first level person, and it says individual. Well, that's you. Well, that's screwed. That's the first thing that the district attorney did. Your Honor, he's, he's failing to, to state that it says individual right there. And I had already read further. And I found that the definition of the word individual means a natural person. And a person is already defined as a 
fiduciary limited liability company corporation shall include any municipal subdivision of the state. So what is a natural person? It's a natural man acting as a trust, fiduciary, limited liability company, corporation, or any municipal subdivision of the state. Now it makes perfect sense. So it's not only the agency, but the agent that acts within the agency. And clearly there has to be a living man who's acting as an officer or an agent of the agency. And you can hold the natural man who is the natural person, who's acting as the natural person, you can hold him accountable for being outside or ultra-virus of his office. But if you want more money, you want to dig, and you want to make a bigger impact, because they'll throw somebody under the bus in a heartbeat. But the way you have an impact is by going after the bigger one, which is the state. So how do you do that? You show that it is a matter of state policy to engage in this activity. Why? because you've let them know that they're engaged in an activity that is unlawful and the state has refused to do anything about it, which means that they're consenting to the actions of their agent. Notice the agent, notice the principal, notice the principal, notice the agent, which means that the, that the, that the principal is considered, that the agent is considered to be acting as if they were the principal. So the principal is presumed to know what the agent is doing and therefore they are liable. But we want to make sure that we notice them so that we don't need to presume anything. We can show, hey, I noticed them. They're supposed to know. But I also noticed them of this unlawful activity. And I stated, quoted statute law and case law. And they contain the definition of the terms. I requested where is the citizen. They never provided one, which clearly means that there isn't one, which means they're acting without authorization. I've noticed them. I've let them know. I've made complaints. Nobody, there's been no changes, no apologies made, no differentiation in activities. They continue to do it. Therefore, it must be a policy of the state to do this type of activity. And that's how you win the 18, uh, 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 excuse me, the uh, uh, 42-1983 deprivation of rights suits. Now, if you're doing a RICO, you want to show a pattern over a year of, of criminal activity. So if you can do both, you're going to win. because You're definitely going to win because now you can actually bring criminal charges as well against them and show you're not bringing criminal charges. Let me rephrase that. You're not bringing criminal charges. What you're doing is evidencing that they have, in fact, fulfilled all of the requirements to show that they have engaged in a criminal act as clearly written and stated, because you're bringing a civil action. But if you're proving that they engaged beyond a reasonable doubt in criminal activities and that they haven't denied it, and they have no evidence to the contrary, you have enough evidence to prove that. And you're definitely going to win your civil case because the first thing they're going to do is go, well, we don't want to go to jail. We don't want this on the record. I guess we better start adding some zeros and see if we can get them to negotiate out and, and keep quiet about it. It's only business to them. It's not an emotional thing. They're not out there out to get you. One of the biggest things that was so difficult to understand, too, somebody told me one time, they said, Colin, you're just not that important. I was like, what? 
I know my creator thinks I'm that important. I think I'm that important. Don't really hurt my feelings, but when I thought about it, they were right. You're just not that important to them. You're just one little sheeple out of the millions. They don't make enough off of one sheeple to mess with you. You're just not that important. You have to make yourself important. You have to show them that you're important. Important enough for them to pay attention, to pay, send a few million dollars your way to get you off their back. And once they got you off the back, they forgot you and your name. They could care less. Now, I know some of the people out there feel like there's a conspiracy against them, and there is. For the people that, that, that walk right into it and don't make it strong enough that they put them over a barrel in the right course. You've got to be smart. This is guerrilla warfare. They have become the enemy, knowingly or otherwise. So you don't sit there and walk into a trap. You don't sit there and expose yourself. You don't threaten in an email any, any judges. I'm coming for you, judge. I'm going to get you. And you just open the door. You just want to evidence their criminal activity and bring it into court properly. Ask them, request information. You don't, your request shouldn't say, well, the statute says you're, you're, you have to do this and that and the other thing, you dirty, rotten, that so-and-so. I just did it the other day and got yelled at for it. I put in there in parentheses, I put responded in, in parentheses, I put improperly labeled defendant. First thing my my mentor said is, what the hell is that? And after I read read it, when he said that, I was like, oh, crap, I did it again. We have this habit that we want to point the finger. We want to accuse. Stop accusing. Just the facts. Improperly labeled defendant. Yeah, it's true. Of course I'm improperly labeled defendant. So what? That will come up when, you know, if it's even important, even in, in, in a deprivation of rights. I mean, what difference does it make what they want to call me? Improperly labeled defendant, whatever. Call me what you want. I'm going to call myself respondent. You could actually turn the tables on them and take possession of it by simply saying respondent. One of the sovereign people calling Derek, whatever, one of the sovereign people uh, uh, um, um, claiming all rights known and unknown, waving not. Herein called defendant. Now I just took possession of it, didn't I? I just redefined defendant, didn't I? Hello? From now on, whenever defendant is used, it means Colin Derrick, one of the sovereign people with all unalienable rights and waving none. I mean, excuse me, with all rights, uh, excuse me, claiming all rights and waiving none. I've just redefined defendant, haven't I? See, that's what this is about. Don't get mad, get even. Get smart. Turn the tables on them. Otherwise, you continue down that pathway of people who, who continuously are looking for a job. And universe says, oh, they want to look for a job. Okay, make sure they don't find one so that they can continue getting their wish and their desire, which is to keep looking for a job. 
If your sentence begins, well, the problem is, the problem is, the problem is, you're telling the universe to provide you with problems. And the universe will be glad to provide you with problems. And so will they. Turn it around. Know that you're a creator. Stop creating the negativity. Just stop. Create the positive. What's the solution? What's the statute? Where's a good case law? The other day I read you probably case law after what, 15, 20 case laws you can use. Has anybody read them? Analyze them. And those apply to driving. They apply to uh, uh, tax, to, to property taxes. They apply to most things that can apply uh, to the mortgages, to the, 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 the procedures that they're involved in, and even a lot of your criminal cases. That's where our focus needs to be. How do we win? What is the process to win? And that's what I'm sharing with you is how to win from what I know and from other people's experience and what I'm studying myself. I already got three and a half years of losing. I know what that feels like. I know what it looks like. And the reason I'm in such a good mood tonight is because I did my bloody homework ahead of time by the skin of my teeth. But still, I wasn't running down to the post office at the last minute, the last hour, the last day or driving an hour and a half to the court so I can get it in the last minute and then failing to do that, you know, missing it by, because when I did that the last time, I got there, it, it was they were supposed to close at 4.30, I got there at 4.28, and they had long since closed the door and locked. You think the guard cared? Hell no. Did I get anything stamped? No. I screwed myself because I didn't have it ready the day before, two days before, a week before. That's another way. How do you take control? You start putting motions into guard. Where are we right now? Why am I having to relax? Because the judge told me that, oh, well, they have to have time to respond. Yep, they do. <laughs> and they ain't happy about it. So who's unhappy right now? They are. Who's looking up case law? They are. Who's looking at the evidence they have? They are. Me, I already did my homework. I already know what the definition of all these things are. I know what the statute says. I've already done my homework. I've already filed my motion. I already filed for discovery. I've already noticed noticed the court made it made a matter of record that they haven't done it in accordance with the statute of law, which I which I indicated. I've already made it a matter of record that the signature of the of the, of the uh, prosecutor is not on the on the uh, charging document as required. All that stuff is on the record. Don't you think I'm sitting happy? Let me tell you, I feel a whole lot better than I did when I was at the last minute, last hour, last day, not unsure of myself. And I'm getting ready to write up right now for the next the next stage because when they come up and they don't have any discovery, they don't have any evidence, then I'm going to make the motion again, except this time it's going to be based upon the fact that they they don't have anything, which we are, which I've already stated as a general statement. So the next one's going to basically be a summary judgment. Hey, there's nothing in controversy. I've stated that I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about that. They haven't offered any evidence to the contrary. Since this is a criminal case, which requires a conscious, knowing, deliberate, with intent. Look up the definition of intent. To do some activity, which it doesn't matter what the activity is, they accusing me of this, that, or the other thing. I've already made a statement under oath that I have no knowledge of this, follow, of this act or that act. 
they don't have any evidence showing that I do have first-hand knowledge or that anyone has first-hand knowledge that I did do that intentionally. Which means all I'm doing is allowing, I'm just allowing them to dig a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. I am allowing them to continue basically as long as it goes. Everything that they do is a continuing because I've noticed the cord. So hopefully this makes a little bit of sense. And hopefully it's helpful to you guys, um, you know, to have this type of discussion um, is a good thing sometimes because it allows me to show you how to defend against your own mind and your own conditioning when crap like this comes up, you know, and I, and I don't mean it derogatory. I was, I was there because it sounds so true and it's, it, you know, all these dirty, rotten bastards. Well, okay, great. Dirty, rotten bastards breaking the law. I know what the law says. Let me see. For that one, it's three years in jail. How much do you think they'll pay to stay out of jail? Keep me quiet about it. Make it go away. See, now we turn it, you know, how many times you heard people say, oh, well, just make it go away. Let me call an attorney. Make it go away. Who do you think is going to be doing it now? They're going to be going, how are we going to get rid of this guy? How are we going to get rid of these charges? He has all the evidence on it. We gave him all the evidence. It's on the record. He's made a record of it. He gave us every opportunity to stop our, inact, our unlawful activities, and we didn't. We're screwed. We better pay this guy off. Get rid of him, and hopefully nobody else will catch wind of it, so we'll continue to fleece the rest of the idiots. Again, they don't have, if you've ever been to court, just sit there. It is a mill. Next. 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 That's what it is. They don't want to spend more than five minutes on you. They're spending more than five minutes on you. They're losing money. This is all about profits. That's one of the, somebody said that if everybody, if just even 20% of the people appealed the cases, they would bring everything to all because it would no longer be profitable for them. Stop plea bargaining. Make them prove their damn case. I'm not sure what's going on with this um, either computer or the talk sheet thing. But it seems, I'm try- I, don't, I may have to do something else. I don't know what, let me try something here. Yeah, it come up. Hmm. Yes, that's correct, Guest 12. The government starts wars to take people's stuff. Oh, they do more than that. They uh, they start wars. I found it's very devious if you want to start going into the deviousness of these people and all the conspiracy stuff, which really gets us nowhere. But it, just so you know that... Um, there's like five or six layers. Remember, that's all these people do. But there's five. They they make money on both sides. That's why they fund both sides. It's all about money for them. But there is also a matter of control. And think about who are the quote the ones that are giving them the biggest trouble. 
The people that are giving them the most amount of trouble are the people that would stand up for their country. The people that would put their line on the li- their lives on the line for their country. Those are the people that will fight and fight and keep fighting and causing them problems. Well, you, instead of sending out a hit squad, which is expensive as hell, and it costs you money to send out a hit squad on them, or you know now that you know they got the drones type, and that still costs money. What makes more sense is to create a facade that makes these people believe that the best way they can defend their country is to go to war. And to go overseas and kill a bunch of people over there so that they can continue to impose upon them to bring them to their knees and and, cre- and get all the finances and own another country. And hopefully a couple or many of you will be these people will be killed. And if they're not killed, they certainly will be demoralized to be on a stent that 13 veterans a day kill themselves because they can no longer stand the the realization that what they have done has been used as a pawn to murder people for profit. That's demoralizing. They don't care whether they demoralize you or they take you out or you get taken out of war. So you want to start talking uh, the shit and how deep and how nasty and how vicious and how cruel and how everything else in it. Oh, brother, I can go there. But what's the point? All it's going to do is get you upset, depressed, and make you feel like you can't do anything. That's completely counterproductive. Let's just stop, turn around, and say, hey, look at this here. 18 U.S.C. 242 says what? Color under statute of color of law. Wait a minute. They're applying commercial activities upon me, the living man. Whoa, here's a statute that says that they can't do that. Three years in jail and the fine. How do I go about proving that? How do I go about getting mine? If all you got was a hundred thousand dollars, it'd be better than what you're getting right now. I'm looking at this education as an investment. People go to college, they study, study, study. They go uh, work for a firm even for many years, and they never get to they never get to go before a jury trial. They never get to prosecute their own cases. Look at we are. You know, my first jury trial. The guy told me I lost the case. The guy says, "Hey, what did you lose?" You know, a couple of days worth of work and a thousand dollars. People that go to go to go, you know, to college for years and never get to try their own cases before a jury. The last time I had somebody listen to a recording of me in court where I thought I did terrible, they sat there and said, "Man, you sound just like you know exactly what you're doing." And they just, if I didn't know you, I would have said that you're that you're a lawyer. That made me feel real good, so I'm handling myself correctly. That's what it's all about. That's also the other thing, a, a little note to other people, that not only do you want to make your stuff presentable so that the average person can see it, particularly a, a jury of third graders, because that's what we determine. Most Americans who are college-educated idiots have about a third-grade education in accordance with what was about you know, 50, 70 years ago, really what their level of mentality is. It's unfortunate to say, but it is true. So you want to make it presentable. You want to get it so that they can understand it simply and easily and plainly. And the biggest thing to do when you write your documents is you want to make it appear as though you are an attorney. Why? Because that's what they're accustomed to. And the moment that you send up a signal that shows that you're an idiot, 
they will just completely resist and, and ignore everything you've done. You want to make it look as though an attorney wrote this. You don't need to impose an imposter one. You don't need to tell anyone, oh, yeah, I'm an attorney. You don't need to make any claims. But if you present the documents in a clear, concise, strong manner, they're going to be asking, what firm does this guy work for? I even got to the point where you say, are you an attorney or a lawyer, whichever one they want to answer. I said, do you have any evidence that I'm not? And they shut up really fast. Why? I want them. I used not to. Oh, no. So I had to figure out how to wait not to lie because I don't, I don't do lying. I had to figure out a way to not lie but not also say, no, I'm not an attorney because I noticed people's body language. When I first spoke about the law, they said, oh, are you an attorney? Are you a lawyer? They were scared to death. But the moment I said, oh, no, I'm not, they all, oh, thank God, okay. So I don't say that anymore. I said, do you have any evidence that I'm not? And they leave me alone real fast. They go to get away from you. Works for me. So make your documents look like what the what the attorneys put in there. Except make yours real, not not the bullshit that they throw in there. Because you're going to be able to rely upon that information later on, and call them on all of their misinformation. That's your record. Make it. I hope tonight was helpful to some people. Um, I know I know that these are things that are, are are profound and necessary, or I wouldn't be talking about it. Presentment of your evidence and how you present it, and going to the nexus of the matter. And that's really all there is to it. So I appreciate it. Heads up. Again, thanks to you people who sent uh, some funds to me so that I can turn the phone on, uh, keep the computer going and have a little bit of food in my belly. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I think I need to do a, 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 um, a cookbook for, uh, on a low budget because I just have been amazing myself having only what food was left in my cab or in my cupboard and being creative with a dollar or two. Um, I have learned that onions, I, I've always liked, you know, frying onions before, but I never thought that it could be, um, could really make such a difference. I just, I, I'll just give you a quick one tonight. I happen to have an onion which needed to be finished up because it started drying out, so I cut it up, and I put it in with uh, with uh, some almost dried up garlic with some butter in there and fried it up real good so they were browned up pretty good, almost almost blackened in some places, and kept, you know, stirring it around. And then um, I put uh, today, um, because I had, these were leftovers from before, was pork and beans and chili and beans, cans, which is what the last thing I was eating. With last things I had left uh, on toast with mayonnaise, which somebody got rid of some mayonnaise light. But today Tony came by, and, uh, with some real mayonnaise and um, and some and had some real bread from before, some 21 grain bread which I toast, put mayonnaise on that, and then I took the leftover beans and uh, pork and the uh, chili and beans, pork and beans, two cans, you mix them together, and I had them left over from the night before, and put cayenne pepper with chili pepper. It's just just amazing what that will do right there, 
and uh, and and fried. I won't say saute because I actually fried those onions so they were like you know nice and brown, and got the and and the garlic and got that all nice and stirred up, and then they, I took a piece of chicken, and cut it up in little cubes and stuck it in there and fried it again with a lid. You gotta have a lid too, by the way. Got that all nice and fried up. Got the flavors mixed in each other. Took the uh, took my um, um, uh, green pepper, cut that up, threw it in, and what was left over is going to die anyway. And 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 then took the um, um, I had a, a little bit left of um, cabbage, and um, even down to the stub, almost all the way to the stub, but was still soft. I just sliced it real thin as, until it got to the bitter part, and I I didn't slice any more. And I put that in there for the, on the lid for just a few minutes, just to you know warm it up a little bit, not but to not to make it mushy, because um, I like the crunchiness of it, but to definitely cook it. And mixed all those flavors in there, a touch of water just to bring it up back to the you know the, a little bit of gravy so that it would stir it around and then it's dry. And then I took the leftover beans and pork and beans, which was in the other pan, and poured it over top, stirred it around, put the lid on it for about ten minutes. Got my toast out, put the mayonnaise on it, and oh my God, I was in my oh man, it, I almost licked the plate. If it weren't for the dogs, I wouldn't. So, and I'm going to go eat some more of it because it was really good. So that was probably less again a less than a dollar meal, uh, or right around a dollar for for a really good meal, high protein, has all sorts of stuff in it, and and uh, so you know you just never know how creative you can be. So anyway, blessings to everyone, and again, thank you for all the people. And it will be another—it's going to be another month, and I'm going to need donations again unless something comes through. Um, you know, unless I get some odd jobs, I've been supporting this 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 thing all by myself with some donations. Uh, yeah, it, you try this recipe, man, and it's amazing. You can put almost anything in a pan with butter and fry it, and it's going to taste good. But I actually have a salt shaker that I mix two-thirds chili pepper powder, chili powder, which is actually fairly cheap, with one-third cayenne pepper. Then I mix it all up into the salt. I put my hand over it and shake it around until it's all mixed up. And I'll tell you, man, you just grab that salt shaker and you, that, and you use it like, like most people use salt, which is not good for cholesterol, people. Stop using the salt, your heart, and all that stuff. Another thing is vitamin C. Um, I bought limes, and I always forget to eat the damn things. Well, I cut one open the other day, and I used vice grips because it was so dried out, but the inside still had some stuff, And but I wasn't about to waste it and throw it away. So I took the vice grips, and I squeezed all of the pulp out and cut it off with a knife into my tea. And it made the tea taste good. So here you go, leftovers again, stuff that would have been thrown away otherwise. And the shells for my eggs, the calcium, the shells, the egg shells, I'm putting in a separate bucket now, and I'm crushing it up. And I'm going to put that with my ashes from my fireplace or my stove. Uh, and I'm going to mix that in when we do the gardening uh, for next year when I grow my own peppers and 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 tomatoes and oh my god it's, I'm just I'm looking so forward to that it was so wonderful this last year so put it into practice people um, I'm trying to share the happiness of when you do it uh, and uh, hopefully that's coming through but uh, blessings and thank you everybody and we'll call that a night okay 
Unless anybody has any comments. All right. Good night and blessings, which means may your desires be fulfilled. <laughs>